It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Griffin. Prince Charles is here as well. We got a busy day on tap. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. So you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. I don't like how my voice sounds. Prince Charles made the point. It's probably related to the pollen. I haven't had full-on seasonal allergies hit me. Like, I haven't woke up choking my own mucus, which is just a thrill, I got to tell you. Man, totally better than living in Arizona where I didn't deal with this crap. I think it sounds fine for what it's worth. It's uh, not. It's how it like it. Oh, it it's, feels. It's okay, straining. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's That's straining to yeah. talk. A little raspy. Yeah, it's yeah. not great. I mean, I don't mind the raspy. Like, if I could keep the raspy without the strain, I deal with that, right? Like, I could have that sexy. But even thing. that raspy feel, like in your throat, like, like. Yeah, no, but the voice. I love the raspy voice. It's the Macy Gray sound. It's the I try to say goodbye and I choke. I could do that. Oh, I'm supposed to sing today. Yeah, Piss. you are supposed to sing today. Yeah. All right, damn it. You know nothing about college basketball. We'll do that. Yeah, because oh, you, you did so great. <laughs> By the way, we'll, hang on, we'll get to that. We got to okay. get to a few things. Um, so I, I, I'm trying to to suck down some water. I could really use some hot tea. If anybody's in the neighborhood with some hot tea, mm. yeah, they have that over at uh, 105.7 The Fan. And legitimately, on Saturday, on my way back from Deep Creek. When I knew I had to do both a lacrosse game and the Ed Block Courage Awards on Saturday night, Stop I it. said, I'm wandering over and helping myself <laughs> to some hot tea. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get fined for that or something. I was just like, dude, I need some hot tea bad. And it, it helped. It helped a great deal. Busy show on tap. Coming up this morning, we will put the finishing touches on college basketball season. Maybe even talk about, uh, by the way, Maryland's got a new assistant coach in uh, Mike Jones. Who? <laughs> <laughs> don't act like you don't know the name. Greatest day of my life. No, maybe not. But a really good one was when uh, Mike Jones called into the show because we had that whole kerf- like where Lamar Jackson, there was the reporter named Mike Jones, and he was like, Mike Jones, that's lit. And then John Harbaugh was talking about Mike Jones and like asking about him. And so I was like, I wonder what would happen if we called the number. <laughs> and Mike Jones, the rapper, has reacquired that phone number. It's, really? It's not. He didn't answer it. But it's his, and he got us to Mike Jones. I think that's one of the very few numbers I know off memory. Yeah, go ahead. 281-330-8004. Hit Mike, Hit Mike Jones up on the low, because Mike, Mike Jones, Jones about, about to blow. blow. God, it was such a good time in my life. Maryland had a player, of course, at the time named Mike Jones, who was a deadly three-point shooter and didn't like to play defense. And so Gary Williams did not like putting him on the floor because he was not interested in the other <laughs> side of the ball at all. But, man, he was a lethal, lethal three-point shooter. And every time he nailed a three, everybody in the crowd would scream out, Who? <laughs> so great. The reporter seems so to be great. a fan, uh, well, uh, NFL player fan as well. Cause, well, just the community because Lamar and then Mike McDaniels right. also oh, right. shouted yeah. him out yeah, at the press that's conference. Right. That's right. Um, I don't know. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that with Patrick. Maybe a little Hunter Dickinson. Oh, also, Mike Jones, yeah. Uh, a wild weekend in lacrosse. Also this morning, we will catch up with Nick Boyle, who is trying to take his career in a different direction. Says physically, tight end probably not going to work for him any longer, given his injuries. So uh, he was 
at Maryland Pro Day last week, which was weird because, you know, he's an NFL veteran and never went to Maryland, but he was there long snapping because he's trying to show to NFL teams that he could long snap for them, which is really interesting. So we'll talk to Nick Boyle about that, obviously, longtime Ravens tight end. Uh, and also this morning, Frank Remish, general manager of CFG Bank Arena. The building officially opens on Friday night. There might be something before that. And I might have gotten some good news in my life yesterday about the fact that... So I was scheduled to be part of it. There's a soft opening event, and I was, I'm excited about it. There's a performer, and I, I wanted to see him. Mike Jones? It's not Mike Jones. <laughs> Pretty good one, though. And uh, it's supposed to be a secret, but it's like a very poorly kept secret. So I guess we're all still like, we're all still in on it that it's a secret. Gotcha. Um, and I was scheduled to be someone's plus one, and then that person said, "I'm sorry, I can't go. I have to go away for Easter with my family." And this is not one of those like things where you can transfer because mm. it's not tickets; it's just invite. And so I'm like, ah. So I literally was doing the bit on Saturday or on Sunday when the mayor was in the studio with us where I was begging the mayor for tickets. <laughs> like, you you can get me in, right? He was like, yeah, I might be able to. And then someone else found out about my plight and took care of me. So I'll be there uh, well, for a special event for on Thursday. I'm very excited about okay. that. Uh, and then Bruce Springsteen, of course, on Friday and the Eagles on Saturday. It's a big, it is one of the gr- biggest uh, in Baltimore. I don't know that there's ever been a bigger week for the Whites. It is... A huge week for the Whites. Think about this. Baseball's back. Yeah. The Masters. Easter Mass on Sunday. Bruce Springsteen. The Eagles. <laughs> yeah, you go yeah, ahead. Maybe, and, maybe some ask Preakness again. weekend. Maybe some Preakness weekend. No, no, no. Ask, ask again when White History Month is in Baltimore. We've got our own week. It's ours. Yeah. It is ours this it's week. first week of April. Belongs to us. A <laughs> uh, big week for the Whites. Uh, anyway, Frank Ramish is going to join us. It's CFG Bank Arena, very much not just for the Whites. I want to make that abundantly clear. <laughs> Lots of events coming up for everyone. <laughs> but a big week for the Whites, nonetheless. Frank Ramish will join us. <laughs> it's always like I, I want to be able to make these jokes and have everybody laugh, and then somebody's going to end up getting offended by it. What's wrong with Clint? I'm going to get an email about it. Well, at it some was point. Uh, I can't remember the conference. Is it? What conference is Bowie State in? Um, the CIAA. CIAA. Obviously, they had their tournament Bank Arena. the week before. Look, by the way, you know? look at the rundown of it. It's very much, there. it's all over the very place. Very much give and take. It's all over the place. It's a little bit of everything for everyone. They cover Please, everything. just let me make a joke. Yeah. I don't think that hurt anyone. I don't think, I'm pretty sure I know where the line is between offensive, and I think that should be inoffensive. I don't know anymore, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's what it is. Anyway, um, we'll talk to Frank Ramish as the arena opens this week. Also, we will catch up with uh, C.J. Nikowski, former MLB pitcher, now an analyst for the Rangers on TV and also uh, host on MLB Network Radio. So we'll talk to him about not only Rangers, Orioles, but some other topics. What a wild night that was last night as it looked like it was going to be another disaster for the Birds as Kyle Bradish. I don't think we've gotten an update yet on Kyle no, Bradish. I haven't seen one yet. Gets knocked out in the second inning with a couple of runners in scoring position, and you're like, oh, no. No. I don't even remember the dude. What is, how do you pronounce the dude's name that, that they picked up? The guy, the guy that came in and finished that inning and got the strikeout? Oh, uh, Cologne. Cologne. That's yes, how you pronounce Danny it. Cologne. Danny Cologne, who showed up like the day before opening day yes. and was like, hi, I'm Danny. I'm going to be a part of this They're thing They're like, you're now. left-handed? Perfect. Right. Great. Right. <laughs> 
Is he good? Eh, he was good last night when they enough. needed him. <laughs> and then Tyler Wells obviously was really good. Almost like maybe he should be coming in as a piggyback for for somebody, somebody else. else. Yeah. I don't know how to. Maybe maybe there's a story to be told there. We're assuming that Kyle Gibson will get the start that's, tonight. That's they did not they make that official, but he would be on normal rest to start tonight. He was supposed to start Wednesday. It would mean the Orioles would need a starter for Wednesday because, remember, they were off last Friday, so they couldn't just turn around and have Dean Kramer start. He would not be on normal rest if he were to start on uh, Wednesday. So they would need a starter. Grayson Rodriguez did start last Friday <laughs> at AAA. Didn't work very deep in the game. Only went four innings, but he did start. I don't really know what the other – I guess if Austin Voth doesn't pitch today, he would be yeah. the other guy that – I and, and probably for four innings or so. Probably yeah. the more likely option. Like, I'm going to guess that the Orioles are going to say we're not going to screw with this. Like, th- that would be my to, – to me, the more likely scenario for Wednesday would be that Austin Voth would get the start. But there is the possibility that it could be Grayson. I don't even know. When did D.L. Hall pitch? Uh, I can find out. I don't remember. I don't remember off the top of my head when he started. But – those would be your options. We'll talk about the Orioles and the Rangers with C.J. Nitkowski. But before we do any of that, it is time for us to update the Lamarometer. It is brought to you by – who was it that finally figured out that the Lamometer works because it involves Lamar's mom? Lamometer? Uh, somebody. Somebody sent somebody us that message Twitter. yesterday. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I got it with mom. Like, that's – exactly totally what Griffin was going exactly. for and not just a silly combination of syllables that came out of his mouth once. It's the correct combination. Totally what he was going for. Um, Lamar Meter updates are brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. I was over at Glory Days last week with a friend, uh, Brad Cronthal from Alloy Sports. We had a, a lovely meal. I got the cauliflower wings with the Korean number two sauce. I am a man who enjoys ordering some cauliflower when I go out. Like I'm just a big fan of, of cauliflower. I don't know how to explain that. Boy, imagine telling 20-year-old Glenn Clark that, son. Big cauliflower guy. Hey, in 20 years, you're going to go on the radio, and you're going to be like, I'm a big cauliflower guy. I'd want to punch myself in the face. I was able to hit a glory days last week, too. Got the, yeah? Got the glory burger. Well, the glory burger oh, is man. quite good. Nobody's oh, going to debate about that. Obviously, the, uh, the thigh wings. Oh. Anyway, the moral of the story being glory days, girl, great food, good sports. Now, Griffin, please open your email where I have sent you a clip from the Pat McAfee program yesterday. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network was on with Pat McAfee and kind of reiterated some of the things that we have talked about when it comes to how bombastic the response was in the immediacy of Lamar Jackson publicly announcing that he had requested a trade, juxtaposed with the reality of what that actually means. This was Ian Rappaport on with Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee Variety Hour or whatever. I mean, I don't, whatever it is. Yes. What is the big news story this week? What should we be talking about right now? What will we probably be talking about this week in the NFL world, Mr. Rappaport? Yeah, I mean, I would say the the big things now are the big things, you know, last week and probably will be the big things at least until the draft, which is, come on, um, you know, Lamar Jackson, what's going to happen? I know, you know, the Ravens had been negotiating with him and he kind of reiterated his trade request. That is where it stands. I know they want to get a deal done. It does seem like his trade request is more like, I'd like to get a deal done with the Ravens for the right amount, and if that doesn't work, then trade me. That's kind of what it feels like more than just like, that's I hate all that's, these people, get me out of here, trade me. That's, that's, um, the win- that's what we needed. Again, this reiterates what I keep saying, which is whatever you guys thought that was when Lamar Jackson put out a trade request, 
it's not a trade. I can only say this so many times. There's a difference between I can't be here any longer, I won't be here any longer, I refuse to be here any longer, and I want to get paid this amount of money, and if you won't pay it to me, find out if someone else will. To which the Ravens say, well, we're not going to do that work for you. Why would we? And as I've only said a billion times, it was interesting when Stan was trying to crow yesterday about like, well, I told you his value had gone down. What's actually completely untrue, and I, and I should have said this to him yesterday, the Ravens up their own offer to Lamar Jackson. I know that is a fact. Now, exactly how they upped it, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers were, but they offered him more guaranteed money than what they had initially offered him. So his value to the Ravens hasn't changed. The Ravens badly won him. We don't have no idea. We know that publicly other teams have said that they're out on him, but we also know that all of those teams can't Lie. get him. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Like The part that I can't... It might very well be that... There are teams that are being completely honest and saying, eh, we never liked Lamar Jackson to begin with. We didn't think he was the guy coming out of the draft. We don't think he's the guy now. But we don't know. We have no idea because what we do know beyond any shadow of a doubt is that the Ravens have made it abundantly clear to the NFL, don't waste your time. Don't bother. We're going to match. You'd be clearing cap space. You'd be making moves for somebody you're never going to get anyway. Don't bother. Which doesn't mean, as I've said a million times, that there couldn't be some team that came along and bowled the Ravens over with an offer. That they said, my God, we, we have to take it. We've been planning on Lamar being our guy, but Jesus Christ, if you're going to give us, again, established quarterback, what was the, the thing that we threw around with the, um, like the Bears, picks. like Justin oh. Fields, plus the number, what is it, the number nine pick? The number nine pick plus next year's first, plus, like if you want to do something like that, well, I don't know, maybe we have to listen to it. The thing that we talked about with the Texans, like if they said you could have number two and you could have another, another don't one. they have the 12? Isn't that the other one they have? They got another uh, first-round pick this year still because they've got the Browns' first-round pick uh, and the Deshaun Watson deal. You can have the two, you can have the 12, you can have next year's number one, you can have our second. Like if they were to do something like that, and the Ravens would know that they can get a quarterback with the second overall pick in the draft, then they'd probably have to listen to that, too. What? They have 12 picks in the draft. Yeah, I mean... In the entire draft. Do you remember they traded Deshaun Watson? Yeah, remember I do. That I do. It's just so many Like, remember picks. they did that? <laughs> um, I don't remember who their free agent would have been that they would have gotten comp picks for. I, don't, I just, off the top of my head, don't remember things. I really don't. Uh, I really don't remember who they would have gotten a comp pick for as a free agent. Anyway, the the moral of the story being maybe Cooks. Yeah, no, that Cooks. would have been this year. Yeah. Um, so they you don't get the comp pick for that until next year. So I don't know who else from last year. They haven't had many good players. There's a David reason. David Johnson. David Johnson was a was years <laughs> they ago. Only have when they have one comp pick. It's the seventh round. It's the, like the very last pick in the draft. The se- so what the round. hell did all the other picks? All right, they they got, got, I don't care this much about the Texans. We're spending too lot. much time on the yeah, Texans. They got two from Cleveland. The moral of the story okay. goes back to right now. Oh. What? Why? I think Watt, maybe? Still? That was like two years ago. No. I thought it was longer than that. Longer? I thought it was. I thought he was in Arizona for a few years. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was there. You got a fifth years. from Dallas, a right, sixth wait, from right. New Orleans. All right. Okay. All right. You're We're right. spending You're too right. much time on You're the Texans right. draft. 
I don't know that they care this much about that in Houston. Let me go back to the point. The point, of course, is the Lamar meter. Brought to you by Glory Days Grill. What Ian Rappaport is saying yesterday is that right now it remains a a dance between Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. So every time you hear that, you'd say, well, shouldn't the Lamar meter go up? What was it, 72 yesterday? We were at 72 yesterday, yes. And now, I mean, it seems hard to put it down. Yeah, so you're going up. 75. Wow. I'll take it up to 75. Three percentage jump. But I still, I, I, like, I don't see it going drastically more than that. Include the, you know, the Ian Rappaport comments when you share with everybody why it is that we bumped it up to 75%. Um, I, I still come back to, you can only get me to go so high on the Lamar meter until we know how he would feel if no other offers ever come to fruition and the Ravens don't budge on what they're willing to offer, and where do we go from there? Is there a point where he will just take the best offer on the table and walk in and say, I got the second most guaranteed money of any player in history, and that's an accomplishment, and that's what mattered to me, and I'm good? Or is he going to continue to say, no, I had what I, had what I wanted, and I'm not going to do a deal for anything less than what I wanted? And if that's the case, then where do we go with the franchise tag? When does he show up? As I keep reminding people, because I believe Larry messaged about this yesterday, the the percentage is percentage chance he plays week one. Percentage chance Lamar Jackson is the Ravens' starting quarterback in week one, which means that I also have to leave in that chance that maybe he says... I'll take my holdout through to week one, and then I'll make my statement. I'll show up and play after that. All of that remains on the table, even if it looks more and more like it's just a dance between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Everything remains on the table for how things might go at that point. So that's where we are. Lamar meter, 75%. That update brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. And there was nothing else really newsworthy yesterday related to Lamar Jackson. That The one thing was Ian Rappaport reiterating the conversations continue and that Lamar Jackson has not said, I won't play for the Ravens ever again. Reiterating the things that we knew from a week ago when it was reported that he was still negotiating with the Ravens. That for those of you that have decided this is, you know, fractured between the two and it could never work out you're you're deciding that that is not based in fact that we know that's just you projecting something i don't know if it's because you want it to be that way or whatever it is that's that's the way it is so lamar meter update 75 percent again brought to you by glory days grill now on to the championship game last night which was exactly how we expected to be with the caveat of I would argue it was slightly more competitive than I expected it to be. When San Diego State made their run in the second half and got it back within two scores, I said, man, I was joking with your buddy and someone else, one of your one of your buddies on another one of them wow. on Twitter last night that... I don't know. That my, that your buddy, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it was your buddy's buddy. Your buddy Sean was like, well, I'm nervous about 13 and a half at halftime. And I was like, I wouldn't be. I'm... Very comfortable they're going to cover 13 and a half, which they did. 
And then someone else pointed out that the live line at that point had bumped up to 19 and a half, and I was like, I bet that too. Now, I don't, I, I didn't, thankfully. <laughs> Feel better about that because it did. It got very interesting for a moment in the second half. It looked like um, things could go a different way. That Hawkins three ended that. Like when San Diego State put that 9-0 run together and then Hawkins came back down and, and like it, it almost had to be that UConn went completely into the tank, lost their legs entirely, and that allowed San Diego State to completely close the gap. And the moment that he hit that three and stretched the lead back out, it was over. It, it was done with. It was never going to happen. And it's a remarkable story that this UConn team that looked lost – early in the calendar year, lost six out of eight games, looked, you know, they were they were dominant to start the season. What, did they win 14 straight to start the season? They lose six out of eight. It looks like they have fallen apart. They somehow figure out a way to click exactly when they need to start clicking, and they ride it all the way to an NCAA title. It's really incredible that they've won five titles since 99 with three different head coaches. That's really remarkable. Uh, Calhoun winning three, Kevin Ollie winning the one, and now Hurley winning one. I, I don't know what exactly it says about the program. I, I, I don't know if it says there's just a better infrastructure for basketball at UConn than there is at other places. I don't know. I, I really don't know what the statement is to be made, other than it's remarkable. It's remarkable that essentially they've won a title every five years. Like, imagine imagine that, being somebody who cares about UConn, being somebody who would be about 25 years old, and every five years of your life, you're like, yeah, it's another national You start to forget who was on what national championship team. Around here, we remember every little detail about Maryland's national championship team because there was one. One. At you, if you're a fan at UConn, you'd be like, was Boat right on a title team? Was he? I remember I was doing the bit last week with Karan Butler. I'm like, Karan Butler was on the title team, Right? <laughs> right? Right? He was step. He was. Maybe he wasn't. Like that's where it is. Where you can't remember what player was on what team. Um, you know, it it was remarkable. It was incredible. It capped an excellent NCAA tournament that maybe was not as top heavy as some pe- you know people might like it, but gave us thrills and gave us unexpected moments and wild upsets and some new blood, some some teams that we didn't expect to be there. Gave us a little bit of everything during the course of this tournament. Buzzer beaters, the whole nine yards, man, all in. Um, it always delivers. It delivered once again this year. The bad news this morning is for our friend Ryan Chell, as he had been sitting in first place since, like, the Sweet 16 in our bracket contest. He had been alone in first place, and all he needed was for anyone not named UConn to win the national championship. Anyone at all. Womp womp. Now that bad news for Ryan Shell is someone else's good news. It's good news for our friends at Show Your Soft Side. Because the winner of our bracket contest, the only person to get the national championship correct, was not a person at all. It was a cat. Man. Bugsy from Show Your Soft Side, the the unofficial mascot of Show Your Soft Side, who of course was our benefactor in our uh, bracket contest. Bugsy, I think with a little help from our friend Sandy Rizet, 
put together a bracket, had UConn winning it all. The bracket was not very good. <laughs> I believe until the Sweet 16, the bracket was in, in worse position than I was. And I finished 34th out of 38. But nobody else was getting points after that. There just weren't more points to be had. And Bugsy was the only one that had UConn, maybe because of Huskies. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm guessing. Like, uh, might this be. Is why is although it? there were a lot of Wildcats involved. I would have thought that Bugsy maybe would have enjoyed, like, Arizona or somebody like that. Yeah, but I guess a Husky just sounds cuter. So Maybe. So I don't know. Go with the Huskies. Bugsy was the only Huskies. one to pick UConn to win it all. And so a bracket that had, I'm not kidding, from the Sweet 16, all of 40 total points. One team. Correct, in the Sweet 16. One ended up winning our bracket contest because that one team that they had correct in the Sweet 16 happened to be UConn. And they rode that for 80 points in the Elite Eight, 160 points in the Final Four, 320 points in the National Championship game. And that surged them past our friend Ryan Shell as no one else got any points at all past the Elite Eight. And so, congratulations to Bugsy, and more importantly to the folks at Show Your Soft Side, because they, instead of getting the $380 that we initially promised them as their um, take in the uh, bracket contest, instead we'll get all $760. Wow. And I think we can That's get pretty good. that. They do incredible work at Show Your Soft Side to take care of uh, pets in our area. And so I'm really, really happy. That's a that's awesome, man. That is, you know, I I, I know it's it's got to be a little tough for for old Ryan. Ryan. I know that's got to be a little bit like you're sitting there and you're saying right. to yourself, like for three rounds you just they just lose one game. All I need is for them to lose one game, and I'm good. And not only did they not lose, they, they really never threatened by twenty. Yeah, they <laughs> really never threatened. There was never really much of a point where you could believe it. Maybe when it was a six point game last night, you were like. Eh, yeah, that's that's a little bit tough. So, uh, very cool, very very cool that uh, it works out that way. And show your soft side ends up getting the entire pot from our bracket contest. Love that. Now, with that in mind, two things. One, you're about to unfortunately hear me uh, sing. It's just the way that it goes, and that's what we have to do. But remember, we talked yesterday about doing something for the folks in Arkansas. Mm. John and Little Rock suggested something to me, and if you guys are up for it, I don't give a lick about the Masters. But if I can get 20 people to do a $10 buy-in, half the pot to the winner, half the pot to the folks in Arkansas who are impacted, that would raise $100 for the tornado victims in Arkansas. It's not a lot, but it's something we could do. So if 20 of you were willing to get in on that and say, absolutely, I'm in, it's just Ten bucks. That's it. I get it. This is not as exciting as the NCAA tournament or the World Cup. Or, I mean, for you, for some people, it's very exciting. For me, it's just not. Maybe we can just get twenty Drew Foresters. And- yeah. Well, yeah, it'd be fine. But I just need ten bucks. That's it. I just want two hundred dollars. A hundred dollars for the winner. Hundred dollars for the tornado victims in Arkansas. I need twenty people to step up, put ten dollars in. I don't know how many people there are in the field in the Masters. I'm gonna need you to do a little work on this at some point today. And then we will try to find like rankings or look at the odds, and we will try to appropriately snake it so that we draft. You know, we have pools of players 
and you get guys from that group of players so that everyone will get one of the top ten players in the field and so on and so forth. All right? Can we work on that today? I know we got a lot going on today. I think uh, Charles and I have a meeting after the show, so I'm going to put you in charge of working on that after the show. All I need, 20 people, sign up. Just tell me you're in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We'll, I'll get you through the process with Venmo, PayPal to get your – it's it, $10. That's all I need. I just want to raise $100 to help the folks in Arkansas do a, something small. My, my friend already Venmo, he's in. Great. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I just need 20. That's it. 20 people. We will t- – oh, did I do that math right? So we need – everybody will get a top 20 player in the field because we're going to have 20 participants in this contest. So everybody gets one top 20 player in the field. There's got to be – how many players are in this? Yeah, There's like, 88. 88. Yeah, so everybody's going to get. I was on 60 something. Everybody's going to get four counting. players. And then we'll just. The, the bottom eight guys, or like the eight old guys that just come back to play because. Like they come back to play, we'll just toss them out. Right? Tiger. Like. Well, I mean, I don't think people would actually want to have time. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking like. like I think Sandy Lyle still plays in the Masters because they let former champions come back and play every Yes, year. he does. So I don't think we're going to include Sandy Lyle because I think he's a hundred years old. Um, but but beyond the bottom eight, the the eight players that have the worst odds, we'll take the other eighty and we'll give everybody four of those names. And if your guy wins, you get a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks to the tornado victims in Arkansas. Got it? We cool on that? Sounds good. All right. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean for me. Griffin and I had a side bet because the morning that the NCAA tournament started, uh, I found out that the March Madness app had a channel that just ran, or before the games began on the app, they just ran a montage of all of the one shining moments over the years. And I sat here like a puppy dog. (laughs) I was so happy. I was so happy. I've never been happier in my life. Is there some royalty-free... I guess probably not. Oh, we're not going to play it through. We'll just I'll have it playing in the background. Okay. Did you guys right. see um Jim Nance? Yes, thank you. Yeah, Jim Nance who uh, called his final um final four. Final, final, final took final, it all yeah. in during the celebration. Um I love Jim Nance. I think Ian Eagle is really really good. I think he's better at basketball. I think Glenn be careful. I think Jim Nance is the Jeez. greatest golf announcer in the history of golf. I think the, the funny thing is I would actually say like, if I was splitting up Jim Nance's duties, I would give one to Kevin Harlan and one to Ian Eagle. Like, I would give the lead NFL role to one of them and the lead college basketball to the other, and I wouldn't care which one got which because they're both so good at those things that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter to me. But Nance is golf, man. Like, there is no one that has ever been as good at calling anything as Jim Nance is at calling golf. All of this to say, that morning inspired Griffin and I to have a little bit of a side bet and said the loser will perform one shining moment. I'm sure you prepared um, like sounds for the background from the tournament, right? Like, uh, you, yeah, 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 I had to, I figured you had that taken yeah. care of. How did you do in our bracket contest, Griffin? Better than you. How did you do? Better than How did you. you? I honestly stopped checking once I knew. You finished in a tie for 28th. Boom. You finished with 440 points. Boom. Not good. But slightly better than your pal GC. How many did you get? You got 380 or 350. something? 350. Only two people finished with one of them being your pal Sean, who finished in dead last. <laughs> he beat me in our side bet. 
Okay. Well, we, we, we fill out all 25 brackets that the app lets you make, and then oh, we just okay. go into a group, and we're just like, yeah, let's just throw up $10 against each other. Well, that's weird. That's that a is, weird can, no, Well, because then we, you know, we can't get right, mad let, when we pick a bracket. Let's get to the thing. Okay. Ah, uh, so the loser was going to have to perform one shining moment. Uh, as as first performed by David... B- oh, you know what? I, maybe we have to wait. Here's the problem. I never know if this is going to get us kicked off of Facebook. That's why we always try to do it at the end of the show. Mm. Because... Maybe that's how we end the show. Damn it. Music and- I, well, I wouldn't do it now because I, there are other things I wanted to get to at the end of the show, but... If we get kicked off of Facebook, I'd rather happen at the end. Because your voice sounds just like... Yeah, da- well, Luther's. Luther. Mo- mostly. <laughs> mostly, <laughs> it sounds... By the way... I, after that, oh man! All right, well, I, well, I have to do it at the end of the show. Just, I'm sorry. I was gonna do it now, but I, then I thought about it. And if we are gonna get kicked off of Facebook, I would rather have that happen at the end of the show than have it happen now, where like you were able to watch all of the show and and not have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would just rather yeah. have that be the case. Um, I, I went into a bit of a rabbit hole at one point last night after one shining moment, and started watching other one shining moments, including, I have decided that I have the hottest of all hot takes. I I want justice for Jennifer Hudson's one shining moment. It was panned. We were furious. But in hindsight, it's a good version of the song. Which, it's it's which, good. Which it happened year? in 2010, I believe, was the year. And the biggest problem we had was that for some reason, they decided to do a lot of video cut-ins of Jennifer Hudson during the course of the the montage like they cut back to her like five or six times which is means less basketball more jennifer hudson that's never happened with another performer of the song every other performer of the song they've never been involved in the video portion of one shining moment jennifer hudson's version of the song i think is excellent the more i've listened to it this is how i'm spending my time on the show today by the way because it matters to me and screw the rest of you this is important I also listened to Neo's for the first time. So Neo's version was only used for the team stream broadcast when Turner tried that briefly. When, like, as uh, uh, ESPN does, like, the Homer version of the college football, they did that for a little while for Turner's coverage of the Final Four where, like, you know, whoever was in West Virginia, they'd send some announcer with ties to West Virginia and a former player to do a Homer version of the broadcast on True TV or whatever. And Neo did an additional version of One Shining Moment that apparently was only aired on the Villanova team stream in 2016 when they won the national championship. I also listened to that one last night. Different. Very different. <laughs> very different than uh, Luther and Teddy. Very different. Not bad. Not bad. The only one that's bad, sadly, was the one that Marilyn got because it was when they decided for whatever stupid reason to go back to the original writer and performer of the song, David Barrett. David Barrett. Mm -hmm. For whatever dumb reason, they replaced him with Teddy Pendergrass, and that was a good version. It's not Luther. Luther is the one, of course. And then for like three years, they decided to go back to David Barrett for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, 2002. Yeah, and of course... (laughs) What year did Maryland win the national championship? O two. Taints the Fart whole thing. Noise. Taints the whole thing. Nah, it still makes me cry <laughs> when I watch it. I still go back watch it and I start weeping again. Also, I realized how much pre. It, it was before the days where you could do all the production. 
there's very little of the final four in the O2 mm-hmm. one shining moment, like extraordinarily little because they wanted to have it all ready ahead of time because it was more difficult to do on the go production at that time. So it's one thing that I noticed as I watch back. We're spending a lot of time on one shining moment. I mean, you have to. It's important. You it's effing to. important. All right, I will do that at the end of the yeah, show. Everyone, stay I tuned. Will, I will pay my penance for losing my side bet to Griffin. Congratulations to UConn. Congratulations to you know who's on UConn's uh, coaching staff that I think my I I I knew but I had forgotten about and then they cut over to him hugging Dan Hurley at one point. Former Towson assistant Luke Murray, oh. who is the reason why many of us in this community have met Bill Murray before because. Bill Murray used to show up at Towson games when his son was on the staff. And was, in fact, they, Bill Murray was there the day that President Obama was there because they were playing they, Oregon State, yeah. and Craig Robinson, his brother-in-law, was the coach at Oregon State. And it was the best day ever if you wanted to beat Bill, Mur- Bill Murray because he was the second most famous person in the room. <laughs> well, the third, I guess, because Michelle was there too. Um, like it was, there was ever a time to want to beat, beat, meet Bill Murray. Beat Bill Murray? Yeah, sure. (laughs) That was the day because the crowds were all pushing towards the president and Bill Murray was just like, man, I'm here. (laughs) It was a good day to try to go have a conversation with Bill Murray. All right. Uh, congratulations to Luke Murray, who was a really good dude. I like Luke Murray a lot. Um, at least the little bit that we got to know him because he was only at Towson for a couple of years. In the immediacy of their turnaround, he was a part of that staff and now has won a national title as part of uh, Danny Hurley's staff at UConn. So congratulations to him. In fact, we should reach out. We should see. To Bill Murray? Yes, reach out to Bill Murray. Okay. Now reach out to UConn and see if we can get Luke on. I like Luke. Luke is a good guy. Um, was only here for a couple of years. I don't know how much he thinks about this time at Towson. It might not even register with him in any way. Like, oh, right, yeah, sure, that. <laughs> that stopped the room. Yeah, there was that. <laughs> sure, whatever. When we come back in, we'll talk more about the uh, Final Four. We'll talk more about UConn and um, some, uh, some, as I said, some goings on at Maryland. Mike Jones has joined the Ooh. staff. Does that mean Hunter Dickinson could be next? And mm. could it work? I, like, could it work with Hunter Dickinson and Juju Reese in the same front court? Is there room for both of those things? I, it sounds really good. It sounds really intriguing, but I don't think that you want Juju Reese to suddenly become a stretch four. I don't think you want him to think that he should be shooting 16-foot jumpers. I don't know. We'll talk about that with Patrick Stevens when he joins us next. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Back in here on GCR as we continue on a Tuesday edition of the program. Baseball season, of course, is underway. And you can bet on baseball on your phone for the first time ever here in the state of Maryland. So go to PressBoxOnline.com offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com offers to claim your incentive today. All right, a lot to do here on a Tuesday edition of the program. Every Tuesday, we welcome in our friend Patrick Stevens from the Washington Post and USA Lacrosse Magazine. You follow him on Twitter at Discourse, D1S Course. Patrick, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well, Glenn. How are you? I'm, I'm all right, my friend. Um, can you, for those that weren't paying attention when it happened, how did UConn go from world beater to start the season, team that couldn't win a game, for a little while to then again being world beaters when the season ended. How do you tell the whole story? Well, I think some of the way you tell the story is by, by pointing out that their defense really yeah. sagged. I mean, that's really what kind of what happened there in January is their defense, which was really good early on in the season, got tested a fair bit. Um, and some of that was a matter of, of, playing a couple good offensive teams. Like, they played Xavier twice in that stretch. They played Marquette. Um, but I think some of it, too, was just kind of figuring out exactly how, you know, how to deal with the counterpunch that people gave them. I mean, when you really look back at what they did early in the season, they obviously won the three games out in Portland in the PK-85 event. But beyond that, they really didn't do a whole lot else. I mean, they beat the snot out of a lot of teams. But... Alabama and Iowa State were really the only two that were that were kind of higher end type of teams in that stretch. So, you know, I, I think they kind of had to adjust, adapt, and all that. And even when you look back at the the games that they lost after January, 
I mean, Marquette obviously mm-hmm. played a really good game against them in the Big East tournament, but they lost a 56-53 game at Creighton. I mean, that's it. And so, you know, they kind of figured out those defensive issues, and uh, I think we saw throughout this tournament that that was not a problem no. at all for UConn, keeping four teams in the 50s, and they didn't give up more than 65 to anybody, and that was that was Arkansas that got the 65, which – pretty good to keep them at that point yeah suffocating suffocating defense uh, for sure during the tournament I also wonder what the state like I, I know it's amazing that a program has won five national titles in 25 years with three different head coaches but I don't know what else there is to say about it like if somebody said okay now go write a column about it I don't know what I would say other than it's amazing I have no idea what the statement is to be made about a program sustaining success over three different head coaches well, you know, it's not even so much that. The, the, the really interesting thing about them is that, is that between the last title in 2014 and this title in 2023, between the end of that tournament and the start of this one, UConn won exactly one NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's a great point. And had a, and had a massive existential crisis while it was off playing East Carolina and Tulsa and Tulane in the American. And essentially, you know, I think that the real story with UConn is is that the big question was, it's sort of sim- it's a little similar to what Syracuse faces right now. It's sort of similar to what Arizona faced when Lou Olson retired. Mm-hmm. Like, is this a one-man show? Is it only one guy that could kind of figure this out? And Kevin Ollie won a title in his second season, but that was those, the, those pins were set up, basically, I think. But to be able to kind of go through that wilderness uh, that was fueled by football, going off to play in the AAC, saying, you know what? we're fine being an independent and playing whatever. It can't be any worse than this. Let's go back to our basketball roots. Go go back to the Big East and then do this three years after rejoining the conference. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, so you know, I think that, to me, is the real story with, with UConn is that it was basically lost there for a few years. And you go back and look at the last two Kevin Ollie years. 16 and 17 and yeah. 14 and 18. Yeah. You know, that was five years ago. That's amazing. That really is amazing. Like, I, I don't know what else there is to say. That's it's incredible. And a statement, the, you know, about the job that Dan Hurley has done clearly at, at a place, a place where it's easier to do the job because there is an infrastructure that exists that, that cares about basketball. And I think to your point, a lot of people brought up like, would he have been able to do this had they stayed in the American athletic conference? And it sounds kind of silly what's actually different but I, I don't know there's a part of me that says probably not they probably needed to be in the big east in order to make this happen probably not to this level and i think too you have to think about yes i know houston's been a was a one seed this year and right. has been highly seeded the last few seasons but simply snagging the seedings that they got the last three years seven five and now four a lot more of a challenge in the american you know like it's to get to get to a, the four line, you would have had to have been really good all the way through, and I'm not sure that non-conference schedule would have really done the trick. Now, they probably wouldn't have lost as many games in league play had they been playing in a schedule in the American this year. But there's also the point of you're trying to attract players, and the idea of playing a conference tournament in Madison Square Garden and playing all these yep. regional rivals that you yep. were accustomed to. That was a big unmooring that occurred for UConn to kind of look around. It's like, you know, what's going on? Why, why, why is it, 
what what's up with these conference games against SMU and Wichita State? And I, I think that is a really important element. And I would also point out, by the way, you know, one of the trickle-down effects of UConn leaving the Big East was that it elevated programs like Providence and Seton Hall, which suddenly didn't have, in Providence's hmm. case, hmm. a team in New England in the same league that's only against. Yeah. And in Seton Hall, it could target players in that tri-state area with the same sort of, you know, play in New York, Big Apple, all, all that stuff, stuff appeal. And UConn coming back to the league, I think, has lowered the ceiling of those programs. I don't think it's much of a coincidence that, that, that those coaches want that, that you see yeah. that, that those coaches. Now, I, let, let's be honest. Like Kevin Willard clearly got a better job yep. going to Maryland. He yep. got a better paycheck. Yep. But I suspect he was probably a little more amenable to the idea of looking because of that. And I, I strongly suspect that you know the Providence to Georgetown move that Ed Cooley made a couple weeks ago is maybe a little harder to come by hmm. if you don't have UConn kind of sitting there as a potential bully. Because I definitely think Providence is the team that loses the most with a really good UConn among those Big East teams. That's really fascinating. Um, staying on the coaching front, obviously since the last time we talked, Maryland loses one of their assistants as Tony Skin heads to George Mason. They have filled the role. Um, and like, I don't know really what to make of Mike Jones, uh, you know, taking on an assistant coaching job. It seems like a very good hire, but it has led, of course, as you know, Patrick, to all sorts of hullabaloo about Hunter Dickinson being in the transfer portal and whether or not that could work. I, I clearly that's not your area, but from a basketball standpoint, the idea of Hunter Dickinson and Juju Reese being on the floor together I don't think Maryland wants Juju Reese. While he's maybe not a natural five, I don't think they want him to suddenly think that he's a stretch four. Can that even work from a basketball standpoint with those two guys being together? Maybe, although although I do think it might be a struggle to get the defensive element to work as well as they would like to. Okay. Right, like the, with the way that they, with the identity that they tried to establish this year, I'm not sure that's the right combination. That said. You know, the other element of this is, is, you know, we've talked a lot about trying to be different from the rest of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm sure we've talked about this yep. a couple times, right? You add a seven-footer that's really good, now you're trying to be like the rest of the Big Ten again. And I'm, I'm not sure that's the, obviously it would only be a year, basically, right? But it's not, I don't think, the, the long-term path to success building a roster like that. Now, you know, you bring Hunter Dickinson in, that, that's, that's a good player, no doubt about it. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of different ways that they could go about things. And, you know, if they get him, that, that's, I'm sure, lovely. It'll be a, it would be a story for a few days as to, oh, well, you know, you used to hate Maryland right. and make right. a big deal yeah. out of it. And here you right. come and this, that, and the other. Um, but I also think it's worth pointing out that, you know, over the last two years, Michigan's a combined thirty-seven and thirty-one. So, hmm. you know, that's not a that that is not an automatic ticket to going to a Final Four. It's a could re- help, yep. but not a guarantee. It's a really good point. It is an extreme. I, you can't ignore it. Like this is exactly what we talked about. Is this the path to NCAA tournament success? I, I don't know if that's the case whatsoever. Um, one more quickly on the coaching front. Former Terp Dwayne Simpkins gets the job at American. The difficulty of that job, it seems like if there's someone who has grinded and worked their way up and 
you know, understands exactly what they're getting into, Dwayne Simpkins would feel seem like he would be very high on the list of guys that would understand exactly what it is that he's signing up for. I would agree with that. And I think the deal at American is that you have to understand that this is not a place that is simply going to push all of its chips into athletics. Right. Uh, which, you know, you sort of understand at the Patriot League level uh, to some extent, but, you know, it, it, is, it is not even like an Army or a Navy where they, there's at least a fair bit of investment on whether you beat the other, or even a job like Bucknell, which, you know, has a, has a pretty dedicated fan base. Uh, you're the one, you know, you're the one that has to generate the enthusiasm. And it's not an impossible job. You know, Mike Brennan went to the tournament in his first year in 2014, and when you look over the last several years, you know they had a they had a 12 and six league record in 2020. Um, you know they had a good start to this season. They beat Georgetown, uh, which I know this year doesn't really mean as much, but sure. if you're a Patriot League school, that's still a that's still a pretty impressive thing. Jeff Jones had plenty of success at American uh, for the 13 years he was, was there. Was, it was, is he, not was he an coach? Impossible was he coach when but when American beat Maryland? When American beat Maryland, who was the coach? Was it Jeff Jones? That was Jeff Jones. Yeah, that's yes. what I thought. So you know, I, I think that when you look at, at at that, you know, part of the issue too there is is that it, it, it is a winnable league. Um, it, it, it's a winnable league for just about anybody in that conference if they get the right coach and invest even a little. So I'll be curious to see. How Simpkins does there, he's worked really hard. He's been a very uh, effective assistant coach at George Mason the last several years. Um, And I I think it's certainly, he's somebody who's earned the opportunity to run a program of his own, particularly in the area. Kind of a nice echo that uh, his first head coaching job is uh, the same first Mm. head coaching job that his college coach. That's right, Gary Williams, absolutely. That's a very good point. All right, Patrick Stevens with us. Uh, Speaking of Maryland, what a bizarre – I did not get to watch any of it because I had Loyola at the same time on Saturday. W- what happened there, and how alarmed should we be by Maryland not just losing but kind of getting rocked by Michigan on Saturday? Yeah, that was uh, that was not a good showing for Maryland, a 16-11 loss at home to Michigan. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, – you know, you look at it, and they shot 11 of 41, and they only put 21 of their 41 shots on goal. Yeesh. The rest of the numbers don't stand out, really. I mean, obviously, the one thing I will say that does stand out a little bit is that Michigan won 17 of 30 faceoffs, okay. which is not what you would expect to see no, uh, against Maryland. Yeah. But that's not, that's not a massive deterrent to being able to win, being just a little under 500 there. You, you, you can find a way to win that. Um, but the issue for them was they, they just did not shoot very well at all. Um, and, you know, you go, you look at the starting midfield, and that was a group that was 2 of 12. Uh, and so, obviously, had some issues as well, you know, defending a really good Michigan attack. I, I think people don't realize the work that Kevin Conry has done into, into building that group up and them with 4 and 2 and Zawada with 3 and 4. Uh, that, is a, that is a good unit. Uh, and it's not shocking that Michigan's picking somebody off. I didn't expect them to win at Maryland. That said, this is still a Maryland team that picked up valuable victories the previous two games against Virginia and Penn State. And I think if you're Maryland, you'd probably rather have those two and take the loss to Michigan than some other combination. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. So it's hardly, the sky is hardly falling in in College Park, but 
that is a, a sobering reminder that this is this is not twenty it's not twenty twenty two anymore uh, for the Terps. And then two teams that did get very good wins this weekend. Obviously, Johns Hopkins beating Rutgers, I think, is significant. And then I don't know. I I was ready to almost completely write Navy off. Um, kind of stunning win for them over Boston University. Is there a chance they could still make some noise? Well, they're going to have to do it within the conference, obviously. It's not going to be a, a team that's going to make a run into that no at this point. Yeah. Um, and you can always count on Navy to play well against Army in the regular season, and vice versa. You know, like that, you know that game, uh, which is coming up in a couple weeks, uh, is, is going to be tight. You know it'll probably come down to the last five minutes, if not an overtime scenario. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't write Navy off completely, but they've obviously still got a lot of work to do. And their path to victory is, is looks a lot like what it did on Friday night when they played really good. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Bonnet's kind of a reminder. You know that guy was you know on the under the uh, under twenty one uh, national team that that went out to Ireland over the summer and he, you know he's really good. Uh, so as for Hopkins, uh, nine and three now and really looking like a team that not only is going to make the NCAA tournament uh, but is positioned really well. Uh, to land a, a, a seed and, and play a home game, uh, which I don't think any of us saw coming. Yep. Uh, you know, I think we were. I think everybody on the outside was kind of like, if if they can simply be a top fifteen team, I'm sure you could go find a clip of me saying pretty much exactly that. Yep. You know, if they could be a top fifteen team, that would constitute progress. And you know, they have played really, really well. But what they had going for them the other day against Rutgers was depth. I mean, they had all three players on their second midfield scored twice. They had a short stick D midi um, in uh, in Brett Martin who scored twice. One of them was uh, right at the end as a into the empty net during a ten man ride. Uh, and so they've got some options. And, and Jacob Angelus, I think, has kind of quietly emerged as one of the best table setters in the country. He had two goals and three assists the other day. Uh, and they just kind of ha- have played well in fourth quarters here over the last month or so. They've won five in a row. It's their longest winning streak since 2018. And you know they get they get Penn State next uh, in a game that if they get that they're they're really in the catbird seat. They're the only undefeated team left in in uh, in the Big Ten. But if if they can pick off a second road victory in the conference, that would be pretty impressive indeed for Peter Milliman's bunch. That'd be remarkable, no doubt. By the way, in the Navy game, if you missed it, uh, Henry Tolker from Loyola Blakefield scored one of the most amazing goals I have seen all year. I would encourage you to just search Henry Tolker on Twitter, and you will find it. Uh, let's play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams this particular player has played for? Patrick, the first one I, I thought was a – this was brutal for me, but a very good player, a three-time All-Star, a three-time Gold Glove Award winner, a former batting champion and a Silver Slugger Award winner, but I, he played for one team significantly and three other teams very briefly in his career. They called him Cargo. It is Carlos Gonzalez. Well, Carlos Gonzalez was definitely – a Colorado Rock. That's the one. That's the. By the way, I went one for four on Carlos Gonzalez. Okay, so I was he in? I'm going to say the Dodgers. No, it wasn't the Dodgers. It was not the Dodgers. No. How about Arizona? No, I knew. I'm sorry. I knew this one was difficult, man. Uh, let's 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 throw Kansas City out for yeah, the fun. Yeah, not Kansas City either. Griffin, you want to guess? Yeah, he was a Yankee, right? No, he was never wow. a Yankee. Wow, he, he was. Apparently started his career in Oakland. Um, for the record, he was in the Diamondback system. He was part of a Dan Heron trade. 
um, that he ended up uh, in Oakland. And then he, he split 2019 with Cleveland and the Cubs. And I remember none of it. So I knew, I'm sorry, he was too good of a player for me to leave him off the list. But I knew it was difficult. So then I'll give you an active guy because I didn't realize he was up to five teams until I saw him recently. Five teams for a multi-time Cy Young winner now. Corey Kluber is our second name. Well, Corey Kluber has been in Cleveland. Yes. And New York. Yes. And Texas. Yes. And Boston. Now, correct. That's the reason why this jumped out to me. And Tampa, right? Five for five. Very nicely done on Corey Kluber. Very well done. What's the schedule look like for you, my friend? Off to, uh, I'll, I'll probably see you right on Friday. I think maybe I'm, in Loyola. I'm not doing the game on Friday, but I think I'm going to come over with the kids on Friday, so I'll make sure okay. I say hello. And then uh, uh, Providence and Georgetown, a kind of a quiet Saturday around these parts. So those two lacrosse games uh, will m- make up the schedule for the Very week. good. At Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, USA Lacrosse Magazine, The Washington Post. Patrick Stevens, always appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk again next Tuesday. Awesome, Glenn. You have a good one. That's Patrick Stevens checking in with us as he does every Tuesday here on GCR. Hey, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. Find out more at ajmichaels.com. All right, into the 11 a.m. hour of today's program. We have much to do still on a Tuesday edition of the show, including the opportunity to catch up with someone who's been a friend of ours for a few years. Of course, hell of a player for the Baltimore Ravens, and his career might be taking him down a different path. Joining us now, former Ravens tight end and perhaps future long snapper, he is our friend Nick Boyle, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Nick, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, what up, Glenn? How you doing? Uh, always glad to come up here and or come on here and talk about football and career paths and what I'm doing and what everyone's doing and just to kind of buzz around Baltimore. And like I said, it's always uh, – Awesome to come on your show and just talk some talk some football. Well, dude, you know, I always appreciate you. It's been great getting to know you over the years. And I, of course, love what you and Christina do. You know how much show your soft side means to me. Hey, did you hear Sandy won our bracket contest this year? San- <laughs> oh, did she really? On, on wow. behalf of Bugsy, the cat, who she had fill yeah. out the bracket, the only person in the contest to get any points after the Sweet 16 wow. because she had UConn winning it all. And so – yeah, that's a sign right there for right? you. Know, like, you know, how much how much of a part you play in that as well. And just, you know, Sandy taking taking it home, winning it all. That's, that's cool. That's exciting Se- here. $760 for Show Your Soft Side, which is awesome. Wow. That. Very, that's awesome. Very, very yeah. cool. Um, uh, Nick, so I, I this, this took me for a, um, a spin last week. <laughs> yeah. So tell me how this all comes about that, you know, mm-hmm. we all know what happened last season and everything you were going through, and you get released. Mm-hmm. When did you first start thinking to yourself, "Hey, maybe, maybe this, from a physical standpoint, isn't what I want to keep doing any longer, but there might be mm-hmm. something else I could do." Yeah, I mean, going back a little bit before I even got to college, I was trying to get to college just to be a long snapper. Um, 
And so I kind of built a little bit of a foundation back then in high school. My dad took me to a couple of long snapping camps and, uh, you know, kind of built my foundation for snapping. And fortunately, uh, Delaware offered me to go play tight end and that, that worked out for me. And, you know, I guess, like you said, I had a, a good career playing tight end and when I trade, I wouldn't do anything differently, um, about that. But so this past end of the season, you know, it's obviously, I felt better this year with my leg, but not to really where I want to be. You know, I'm just not going out there to be average. I'm not going out there to just kind of move the guy a little bit or, or stay on me. I'm going out there to try to move the guy back, you know, five yards. And, you know, that's kind of the, the realisticness about that. After my injury is kind of, you know, tough to think about, but it's, it's, hard, it's hard to do that again. Mm-hmm. So towards the end of the season, Funny story, on a Saturday, I was supposed to be released. Nick Moore's having a baby, and they come up to me, and they're like, listen, we don't have any snappers. We can't get any snappers, and we know you can snap. Like, can you travel to Cincinnati and snap with that for us? And, you know, I'm like, you know, is this an oppor- kind of an opportunity knocking on the door? Yeah. Um, am I totally ready to go do this? No. But, you know, <laughs> let's roll with it, and let's, I'll do it for them. You know, I love the Ravens. Um, like, from top down, it's an awesome organization, and if they need me to do something, I'll go out there and do it. And so – Long story short, Nick Moore made the trip, whatnot, and he he snapped, and I was still released. But um, the following week, he was sick for practice, and then again, they needed a long snapper for punt team and for punt practice. And so I went out there and I did it, and I'm like, I haven't done this since high school, and ha- I mean, I'm out here blocking eighty percent, eighty percent of the protections for you know after you snap the ball and block on punt team, but it's snapping and blocking as a long snapper in NFL. I'm like, I could do this if I really dedicate this to it you know and it's, it's easier on my body it's easier on my leg and i'm i'm able to maintain my leg in a different way because of not all the running and pounding as the tight end would do so that kind of just gave me you know a kind of like a light bulb moment and it, nothing can hurt let's go run with this and take this and see how far it goes and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out sure. but i true i truly think i can dedicate my time and do this and be a good long snapper this so can we define it as, you know, either you're going to get an opportunity to long snap or it, mm-hmm. you're done? Is is that is that the decision that you have fully made for yourself and your health? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's the decision I made. That's the decision, you know, hanging out with my family, being around my family, um, talking about it a lot. And, and the hardest thing about this is outside teams calling, saying, hey, like, we want you to come in for a workout tight end. It's hard, like I said, going back to it, it's hard for me to go out there and just be like an average player with all the work I put into it just to maintain my leg. And I just, I'm not satisfied going out there and doing that. Hmm. And I know I could be a, a great long snapper. So it's kind of like that's basically the idea. You know, if long snapper doesn't work out, um, I'll figure out what I want to do, whether it be coach, whether it be scout, whether something with football, just football always draws me back somehow. And you know how much time I have spending with my family right now. I love it. I love spending time with my kids. I love three under three kids under three, man. It's like, you're insane. I have no time, you're... but I, I, I don't, still don't have time. You know, it's you're like psycho. Home, I'm still busy. What's wrong with you? But how... Brings you back. What the... How are you handling that? How are you breathing right <laughs> now? More the, less... the kids are awesome, man. Uh, I, I, I try to say I'm the best dad in the world all the time. Uh, the amount of RC cars we've driven over the past. <laughs> we, we probably drive RC cars three times a day. My son, is probably the best three-year-old car driver there is, but I, I think he has a little bit of an issue with it. We can't go outside and not drive the car, so we're trying to find <laughs> other things for him. But it's, uh, it's you know, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to have this much time with them and watch them grow up as well. You met my kids at Project Runway last year, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm telling you, dude, like I, 
I, I'm they're eight and five now, right? So they like people at this <laughs> yeah. point, and it's somehow in, more insane than it was when they were three. Like now, they yeah. believe that they have full control over me at all times. So yeah. like when I'm yeah. home, it's dance monkey dance. Like, <laughs> yeah. Daddy, do this. Daddy, right. do that. And, and, you know, and it's like you kind of feel like you're obligated to do it in a sense, to a certain extent. Right. But oh, I can totally imagine. Right. Like I you made said, you. They, they I'm, got yes. I'm responsible for you. If not for me, you <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be here. I have to do. I, I joked yeah. to my wife the other day. I'm like, weren't the video games supposed to start raising them at some point? Like, yeah, for sure. Aren't you supposed to be self? Uh, right. Go, go play video games for a little bit, or go do this for a little bit. No, leave me alone. Your, you know, by yourself. <laughs> Right. Okay. Just trying to watch the basketball game. What are we doing yeah. here? Nick There's Boyle, no chance. There's no chance. <laughs> Nick Boyle is with us here on GCR. Nick, is it like picking up a bike? Like, do you do you have you felt like when you're out there at pro day last week and what what you're doing mm-hmm. in, in workouts? Do you feel already like you're you are long snapping at an NFL level? Do you feel like you have picked it up? immediately and that if you get that phone call there's not going to be a transition period like you're ready to do it now yeah i mean i would say that's like 70 percent yes 30 percent still learning certain things and like i said since i haven't done it since high school there's still a learning curve but um getting thrown like i said getting thrown in that fun period out there and being able to do it into a, a decent level I'm like, man, I can do this. And so it's it's basically all about reps right now. It's all about snapping more. It's all about – because, you know, going out pro day was an awesome experience for me to go in front of teams and do it. But every time I snap a ball, I'm trying to figure out nuances. Like, I'm, I'm a perfectionist in that. I was trying to be the perfectionist as a tight end, as, you know, footwork and all that. And now it's transitioning into long snapping. And so I, it's just reps at this point. It's all about getting out there. And, you know, obviously if I get with the team, have a whole spring to do it, have you know a training camp i have no doubt in my mind i can't go out there and do it and it's like you know i snap today i snap tomorrow every time i get down and before i snap the ball just feeling how it like you know your body's it feeling how the ball's coming off your hand in different ways i'm still kind of curling that out or like you know going with the fine tooth comb through all that stuff mm-hmm. but i mean even if i had to get thrown in there right now i have no doubt i can't do it you mentioned nick obviously before that you were around you know the the guy right Morgan of course was yeah. like the guy. Have you uh, reached out to those guys? Have you had conversations? Tried to work out with them during this process at all? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I spoke with Morgan a lot. Uh, texted him, texted me back. Spoke a lot. Spoke with Nick Moore. Um, and like I said, being around those guys, those are top tier long snappers. Like where else? Well, what better people to learn from than those two? Yeah. Um, like how Morgan grew Nick, and then Nick was you know a second team All Pro this year. I mean, it's just like. The resources I have, thankfully, right now are right here for me. Um, and able to learn, and I, I reach out to those guys, and Nick Moore has been awesome. Even kind of late towards, you know, even before I got thrown into maybe snap for the game, I'd say a couple weeks before that, I'm like, hey, Nick, let's go out to the um, indoor after practice and let me snap a couple times. Huh. Go, oh, yeah, let's go. Huh. You know what I mean? Huh. So it's just like a really cool – um, you know, they, they handled it really well with being like embracing it saying, yeah, man, let's go try and do it. See where it goes. Did you, did you find yourself over the years, like ever trying to sneak off and still keep working on it at all? Like, did you find yourself <laughs> like, you know, no, I okay. mean, jokingly maybe, but like, I was just so engulfed in tight end, you know, yeah. it's like whatever I'm doing at the moment, 
whatever I'm doing at the moment, I really just want to hone in and focus on that because like I kind of live in the present time and, and trying to do my job as well as I can with what I'm doing. So, I mean, there were times in practice I'd do a couple PAT snaps or like, oh, in case a backup needs to come in. But I never really, yeah, I know you, my son wants a different juice box. Oh, tell, which, what's, what, what, what's, your, what's your son's name? I want to tell him hi. Brock. You Brock. Want to talk, say hi? Brock, what's up, buddy? Say hi. Hi. Hey, Brock. <laughs> <laughs> Brock. He's a little under the weather. He's home from school, and I'm outside oh, with him sitting in the oh, garage right now. God, that's the best. Oh, you sh- oh, you yeah. sure you want to keep playing? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> After my youngest was sick, and it's, that's the most stressful thing when your kids get a little sick. And then when like my youngest is ten months and they can't talk, I'm like, I don't think there's anything more stressful than this. You know, when your baby's not feeling well and you don't know what's wrong, and you take her to the doctor and still kind of sick. Oh. And, you know that I'll, I'll, I can go back and play football. I mean, just like for the love I have for football is all. I like, get it. The relationships, everything around the building, is just special. Dude, uh, I, I this is such a wild story, man. This it's it's cool to me. <laughs> it's a really cool thing to hear you talk about how much you love the game, that you want to do it, yeah. but also that you know you're at a place where you can't put your body through anymore. Like that's mm-hmm. I got to imagine that's not an easy thing to accept because you are a tough. MFR man, like you are a tough, <laughs> badass dude. It's so, dude. We had Max Williams. Max was in town for the Ed Block Courage Awards last week, and uh-huh. he called in. And I hadn't caught up with Max in a long time. And I love Max, right? Like great guy. Yeah. And he brought you up and was just going on raving. Like I believe he used the term "best blocking tight end in football history." By the way, I believe. <laughs> oh yeah, Max that's awesome, that's dude. what he said. Even but, like what he went through, he's going through the same dude, thing with his foot. leg and his right. injury, and his you know it's tough. It's 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 so tough because you're ingrained in this your whole time, and then all of a sudden when when you still you have opportunities to go out there and play, but you you feel as personally you can't go out there and fulfill like to the level you want to. That's a hard decision, but it's you know what helps me with that is my kids and my family. Yeah, that that's what really helps me yep. with that. It's different. I mean. I love my wife, but if it, maybe it was me and my wife, I'd still try to go play tight end. But, I get it. Know. I get it. Like, you know, but, it, it's just the kids, man. It's being around them and loving them. And you know, I want to chase my kids down the driveway and not be limping. Right. You know, like you're you know. giving you're giving me chills talking about this, man. Like you really are, because <laughs> yeah. I I I feel as a father, not clearly, I don't know anything about you know pushing my body to the limits that you push yours to, yeah. but I feel what you're feeling and the importance of it. And why it does uh, impact and it changes you and it makes you think in a different way. And that's, dude, that's just such yeah. a cool thing for you to be able to say, look, mm-hmm. man, if that's it, I will be able to be at peace with the fact that yeah. I'm doing the yeah. right thing for me. I had a hell mm-hmm. of a run. I'm doing the right thing. It's a powerful testament in order to be able to say that, yeah. bro. That's really powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Yep. Are you as obsessed with following day to day what's going on with Lamar as everybody else is? <laughs> <laughs> Not as I'm almost like tired of looking at Twitter to see it because like <laughs> this is my perspective on the whole Lamar thing. Like, dude, I love Lamar as a person first because dude, he's just the most humble dude around the locker room. Whether someone's a practice player or the starting receiver or a starting deep lineman, like he treats everyone the same. And I love the Ravens organization as well. Like why, you know, I, I love, I truly love that building and that organization. And, and when you see these things on Instagram or Twitter, it's, it's so hard to decipher what's really true and what's not true on both sides of them, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, you can take everything with a grain of salt, whether if, if is this really what happened or is this really what happened? 
But at the end of the day, I just want both of, both sides to be happy. And if they can come to an agreement and they can make it work, I mean, that's awesome. And and if you can't, then that's the NFL. And, like, think of look around the NFL on all different sides. Um, it's like no, sometimes superstars don't stay in the same team, and, and that's part of the business, yep. you know? Yep. But it's 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 a hard it's it's almost hard to follow. I've kind of almost like ignored it to an extent because it's been so much buzz around it. You know, it sounds like what you're saying is you hope Lamar stays a Raven unless another team takes a chance on you as a long snapper, and then you hope he goes to the team that takes a chance on you as a long <laughs> yeah, snapper. For sure, <laughs> that would be the best idea. You know, I, I would love that. That would that would be like God answering all, every prayer. <laughs> it, it's what you're referring to, though, because there were people you you. I'm sure you'll hear people say, you know, um, I thought all he cared about was winning a Super Bowl. This is selfish. I imagine as a player, mm-hmm. you understand that both things can be true, that you can both badly want to win a Super Bowl and care about that, but also want to have value and want a team to feel that value for you and think like they, it's not yeah. it doesn't have to be one or the other. No, and, and that's what I mean. That that's the hard aspect, you know. If you're not a player, it's, it's I I can see this. If I wasn't a player, it's hard to look at that and saying, "Oh, the dude's being selfish." You know, he said all he wants to win is Super Bowls, but also Lamar plays at a super high level and he holds himself to a very high standard. So there's there's two sides of this. I mean, obviously, the, the, he wants to win a Super Bowl extremely, you know, super bad. But it's it's this side where you know I've kind of been like, "Wow, Lamar's really." sticking to whatever he truly believes and that's impressive as well and like like i said there's a business side to this whole nfl thing and every player for the most part really wants to go out there and win especially him you know it's i see it being around him i see the practice i see how much he cares about the game and the teams are still trying to do best for what you know Mm -hmm. what they need with cap space Mm -hmm. and all the behind scenes of things and that's such a hard thing to Sometimes I'm a, com- a common ground on. Everybody wants there to, I, I everybody wants there to be a bad history, guy, yeah. right? Like everybody wants yeah, there to be yeah, a villain, I mean, and sometimes nobody's the bad guy. Like everybody's yeah. just nobody could be the bad guy in this situation. It, may, it maybe just doesn't work out, and and no one's the bad guy. You right? Know, it's it's just so hard to, to to dissect it and put everything down because there's there's two sides, and and both sides. Like I said, I love the Ravens organization, and I love Mark. You know, and it's not like, oh, this guy's the Ravens are the bad guy or Lamar's the bad guy. It's just so hard to tell. It's just, it's like, it's almost like you just got to see what happens. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Nick, I, you know, you know how much I love you, bro. Um, and, mm-hmm. and how much I appreciate everything that you've done for this team, this community, moreover than that. And there are things that I know you've done for the, I, dude, I, I'll give a, a behind the scenes story. I heard about things that Nick was doing for like some special Olympics athletes over the years. And I kept <laughs> yeah. asking him if I could write about it. And he was like, eh, you know, <laughs> like just didn't want it. Like just wanted to be able to do it yeah. and, and keep those relationships mm-hmm. up. Uh, I am so appreciative of that, man. And I know that no matter what happens, that's going to continue. Cause I know the type of people that you and Christina are. Um, yeah. Thank I'm, you. I'm rooting like hell for you, man. I, I think it's a cool Back, story. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, wherever, of course, unless it ends up in Pittsburgh, like, you know, that, like, <laughs> in Pittsburgh, man, I'm bringing the heat on the snaps and right. whoever's rushing me is going to get put on the ground. <laughs> Baltimore or not. But if bro, I'm out there, bro, I'm just kidding. you got to understand, I'm not going to be rooting for you at that point. Yeah, I did. No, I get it. I get go. it. Man. Hey, I yeah. tr- truly appreciate you. Truly happy for you. And uh, however this plays out, man, you know we're going to be in touch. Thanks for hopping on this. Yeah, morning. thank you so much, Glenn. It's, like I said, it's always fun coming on your show, talking to you about everything, life, football, and see. Here's my son. Yeah, uh, tell Brian. Oh, tell, sweet, tell, that's cool. <laughs> tell, 
Tell, awesome. Tell, <laughs> he Brock, sound like tell a Brock we love him too, all right? <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Glenn. It's awesome talking to you. Thanks, buddy. You too. Nick Boyle. Man, that guy's great. I love that dude. Nick is really funny, by the way. We were at Project Runway last year, and the kids wanted to take a picture with him. And Nick said to me, why haven't you and I ever taken a picture together? And I said, well, you know how this works. Like, I still have to be able to cover you. Like, I, I still have to be able to say things. Like, if you're struggling. And he just looks at me and kind of stares at me. But why can't we have a picture together? <laughs> I turned to Charles back, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that doesn't cross any of his right. mind. He's, he's like, he's like, what is love it? Love you as a guy. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I'm like, well, all right. And we didn't, so I regret that because I really do. I, I appreciate Nick a great deal. He is one of the absolute best, and um, it's a cool story. It's a really I, – I like the aspect of saying, hey, I have pushed my body as far as I can push my body playing tight end. I want to keep playing football. There's a path for that. I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work out, I am not going to push my body past this point. I'm going to go be a dad. And it's a – I love that. That's awesome. Thank you to Nick. Great dude. Appreciate that conversation. From one guy I really like a lot to another guy I really like a lot here on the show and someone who um, is also very involved, of course, with Project Runway. We're hoping that, in fact, next year we'll be back at CFG Bank Arena as it officially opens this week. Of course, Bruce Springsteen on Friday night. Joining us now, general manager of CFG Bank Arena. He is our friend Frank Ramish, and he's back with us on GCR Frank, it's Glenn. It's always great to chat with you, sir. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Absolutely, Glenn. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm always happy to do it. I remember you and I talking uh, last year in the lead-up to Project Runway about what the arena was going to be. From what it was in your mind to what you now see in front of you, how do you describe how much the work that was done meets what your expectations were for this building? Yeah, it's tough because I keep saying this over and over again. It's very tough for me because I loved what I had. Yeah. Um, and again, this is my 35th year in this bu- building. Uh, so it's hard to put down something you loved. But when you, no matter what I say, no one's going to believe what they see until they see it, right? I mean, it is incredible what it looks like. They eviscerated the inside of the building. There is nothing original left, zero. Um, concession stands, bathrooms bars. Uh, it's absolutely I'm telling you 100% incredible. Now, what I love about it um, and, and where it met all my expectations and why it's so important to Baltimore is what is out in the arena bowl itself and what makes it easier to do shows, move in, move out, rig, all those things, uh, um, more electricity, um, uh, loading docks gone. That proscenium stage is gone. Sight lines are incredible. Absolutely mm. perfect now. Uh, where we had, we were losing something like 1,500 seats before to each show. Now it's 100% perfect view. Wow. Uh, and we were built. Now this is built for concerts. The sound is incredible. They put sound baffling all over the place uh, to uh, absorb some of the sound waves. So it, 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 there's the attention to detail, especially for the functionality of the building, which is what I really care about because we have to get shows here, um, is uh, spot on perfect, guys. Absolutely perfect. Man, I love everything about that. I, I'm going to bring out a little picky thing that I like, and I know how much you love the building. I remember you were emotional about the idea of it not being <laughs> like when everybody else would would say bad things about the arena. You'd be like, "Yo, that's my baby. Like that's my yeah. thing." 
hey, look, the, the best analogy I can give, it's probably politically incorrect, but when if somebody says your kid's ugly, right? right? I, I, I know my kid's ugly. I just don't want you to say it. Correct. Right? That's, that's my kid, yes. with the arena. Right. The 200 level at the old building, there were a lot of times when I'd be there, whether it was for like a blast game with my family, and I would purposely buy a little bit cheaper tickets, and there would be people walking in front of you, right? Because there was that that sort of runway, and you would end up sort of having to look around people. In looking at what you guys have now, that aspect is gone, correct? <laughs> I didn't even mention that. You're absolutely right. We are at two levels instead of three now. Right. The first and second level are combined. Um, so basically all P1, um, price level one tickets all the way up. And the third level is totally open. You can walk around the concourse and watch the show mm-hmm. like a modern arena. There's so many nuances that I'll even forget to tell you. Wait till you see it. It's, it's, it the, 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 the attention to detail is phenomenal. By the way, I think I managed to finagle my way into spending Thursday with you. So I think I am going to get Perfect. that opportunity. To, and I'm really excited about that, by the way. And I, I, you know I'll be back for a lot more. As the summer goes on, I'm thrilled about it. Frank Remish, look at look at the uh, and look at the shows. Oh, dude, it's I mean, well, it's crazy. So I actually had the mayor on the other day, and we both agreed like what you were able to do with the old building is historic. I mean, like we could write a book about what you Thank were you. able to do with that building. Now giving you this, my God, <laughs> like my. Hey, the God. best thing I can say is our competitors. We woke them up. Yeah. Um, Baltimore has always been an A market. Now we have an A building. My, my chains are un, they're snapped, and I can fight now. I, I, I was basically handcuffed before well, with the older building. Um, and now uh, uh, the shows can make more money. They can get in and out faster, which is saving money. It makes Baltimore uh, a competitor. Um, we're one of the top markets now, and, and and you'll see it. The one thing about me, I can't lie. Everything I do is transparent. You're going to know whether I have shows or not. You're going to see if people are in the seats or not. You you will see. You will see the finished product. I remember you telling us a very a bold number of dates that you believe that you're going to be able to fill on the course of a calendar. If we look to 2024, how many dates do you believe are going to be filled at CFG Bank Arena? We'll be... About about 130. Okay, which we did 105 before, and that's pre-COVID top top numbers 105. Okay. Of which, of which were about 20 25 concerts. Now I'm putting 60 concerts in. So this is and keeping all of the family type of shows. That sure, you guys absolutely. Had, the, the circus, the Disney on Ice, that type of stuff. Yep, absolutely. That's amazing. The I know you, the mayor, nobody in the city has ever attempted to bamboozle on a sports aspect. You told me very directly there aren't teams coming, but events. We know that the city is trying to keep the CIAA um, for, I mean, Brandon would say he'd like to keep it permanently. Um, Are there other things maybe coming in the pipeline that you have already felt from a sports standpoint could end up being plausible at the new building? Well, I would say <clears throat> I would hope that I can do these things. Um, I, I'm NCAs are definitely in my you know in my sights. Um, Wizards games. I don't know if I can do a Capitals game, but I definitely will be reaching out. Uh, Maryland games. Everything when it comes to that because they're one offs, right? Yeah. Um, and you look at them as almost concerts. Uh, and I definitely want to do one off sporting events in here and also tournaments. But uh, you you you. you 
highly unlikely you'll see a team. And that's, it just, it doesn't make financial sense. I understand. I remember we, us talking about that and you're trying to explain like, look, it's weekend dates that you're talking about for a lesser team. <laughs> like if you go past the top teams, obviously, and it's not going to be the NBA, it's not going to be the NHL, those lesser teams, you just can't give up that many weekend dates for big events for events that just won't draw the same way. No, I, I will make more. And this is my, th- let's talk about the old building. Yeah. I made more in, off one concert than I did a complete sporting season. Yeah. yeah. Now swallow that pill. I mean, yeah. that's hard to understand. And when they take 20 to 40 dates off plus practices, it's just not worth it. It doesn't make sense. I understand. And we found our niche. It's, 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 we support it. Baltimore supports it. It's, it's concerts and secondary, secondarily, it will be family shows. And, and look, I, I get it. I completely understand. And I am all for what this is going to do for the city. That's the other side of this. Mm-hmm. That's really important. I remember us talking before, Frank, are you starting to feel that the neighborhood is recognizing what's going to be changing with the building, and are you feeling any aspect of maybe some revitalization of the area around the building because of it? Well, we we haven't seen it start yet, but when I'm at these, uh, let's say, meetings throughout the city, the owners and developers of these areas are absolutely interested and have their eye on the ball. And look, if it's going to happen, period, we we need infrastructure around this building. We need restaurants. We need, we need after hours, we need shopping. Um, It's no different than when the MCI center was built in Chinatown and what it did to that area. I totally see the revitalization of this area. I, I am. That would be as much as I'm excited about the arena and don't get me wrong, Frank, I'm very excited about the arena. If there can be further aspects of that, um, you know, I know uh, the the Orioles talk a lot about the revitalization of and a renaissance for Baltimore. I, I think all of these things can play a role in a major renaissance for downtown um, that would go a very long way for our city, and that's extraordinarily exciting to me. Um, I, I saw something when everybody went and did the sneak peek. So are they like reusable? cups or something like that that are now available at the arena yes yes pepsi is bringing a product that uh, again i'm still learning it so i <laughs> apologize and my main focus is trying to book this place to make it. sure we're ready to open but it. but this is a one thing too and i'm going to come back i swear to god i'm not going to be a politician i'll come back um is we're the ultimate green building i uh, think about this we were the entire building was recycled. Somebody explained that to me, and I thought, "Wow, that's pretty damn cool." And, and you you will see this. Baltimore is is basically uh, a catapult that you're going to start seeing these projects all across the United States because okay. it was a perfect situation, cheaper, faster, and, and and saves the landfills. So, with that being said, Pepsi came up with this um, this cup. It's basically a reusable cup. You it has a uh, QR code on it that that you, when you're done, you can drop it off. There's a container, like a trash can that has a flap on it. It will not open until the cup gets close and then it'll open. You drop the cup in, Pepsi comes, picks it up, and then they clean it and bring them back to us. So it's a complete recycle process. That's very cool. That's a very, very cool thing. And then did I see that yeah, like, there is like an outdoor deck area now? for Two, two outdoor decks. Great eye. Absolutely incredible. Um, and we have bars that serve them. So you can sit out on the deck or stand out on the deck, overlook Baltimore, the, 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 the absolute incredible view. It really is. Um, 
and uh, you can get served your favorite beverage as you're standing out there. So, for example, if, you know, you between the opening act and the, the, the main act, you just want to wander a nice night in the summer in Baltimore, you can wander outside for a minute and overlook the city. Yeah, and that's not a premium level. <clears throat> that's for the, you know, the, the average ticket holder. Anyone can access it. Yes, sir. That's really cool. That's really cool, Frank. That's I saw the view. It's amazing. <laughs> like that it is, is, isn't it? That yeah. is really cool. I can't wait to check that out, man. That's a really and I think everybody sees. I like, tell you what, too, and 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 when we did the the media tour, I, I there was no negative, no negative responses at all. Everyone, I, I was watching everyone as much as they were watching me. Yeah. And I was looking at their facial, their their jaws were dropped, and and everyone's going to think. Everyone that's listening to me right now is going to think I'm exaggerating. They just put lipstick on a pig, blah, 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 blah. I get it. I get it. Come, see. I'm really excited. I'll be proven right. I'm really excited, Frank, and I'm really excited for what's, again, as I keep saying, I know to trust you, and I know that there, every time you announce another show, I'm just like, holy F. (laughs) We're getting around, ready to announce two more. I'm going to give you a secret, so just pay attention. Okay. Um, You just saw Queen, right? Yep, Queen Queen and Adam Adam Lambert, which is Opening their whole tour. I yep. saw today Andrea Bocelli was announced, yep. and um, I'm already, I'm already, I'll be there for sure for Blink 182 this summer. That's definitely going to happen for me because I am a white person of a certain age, Frank. That is right up my alley. Um, <laughs> and there are going to be a few more that I will absolutely be there, and I can't wait. Uh, Frank, I don't know what else there is to say. Uh, well done. I can't get wait. I can't come wait to it. be there. I'll be there Thursday. I'm going to come over. I'm going to make sure I say hello. Uh, congratulations, and I, I, I think that's all I got for you. I know this sounds like a, I'm just a, I'm talking you up, but I really am. I'm that excited. Hey, Baltimore needs this, and Baltimore yeah. deserves this. Enjoy it. That's what I can say. Frank Ramish, always appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for Thank hopping you, on with us. General Manager of the new CFG Bank Arena, Frank Ramish. And, again, it will be opening uh, on Friday for Bruce Springsteen, and um, they've already got uh, some Monster Jam shows, some pro wrestling shows, things like that it's from a, a sports-ish capacity, and we're hoping for even bigger as the arena continues to move along. Hey, Stan and Ross did not do their normal show last night, but Stan did a video with Luke uh, surrounding his MLB power rankings. If you missed it, you can find it at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash video, or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. C.J. Nitkowski, former MLB pitcher, Rangers analyst, MLB Network Radio, joins us next, Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR. Orioles opened up their series of the Rangers last night, getting a 2-0 victory thanks to the heroics of the bullpen when Kyle Bradish was knocked out early. Boy, Tyler Wells delivering five no-hit innings. Joining us now to talk more about that, about the Rangers, a little bit about the Orioles. He is former MLB pitcher, Rangers TV analyst, MLB Network radio host. CJ Nikowski is back with us here on GCR. CJ, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, hey, Glenn. How you doing, man? Good to talk with you. Much better after what we saw last night, CJ. <laughs> um, how do you... How do you describe that? Like being put for Tyler Wells to be put in that situation against a Rangers team that had been mashing to start the season and to deliver that cold in the situation that he did. I, I know it's amazing, but can you give us some more context as a pitcher as to how incredible that was? Yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, the whole situation and the way that it went down. I passed Kevin Brown, of course, the play-by-play guy with the yep. uh, Baltimore Orioles after the game, and he had said that um, what, what they had found out was that uh, Wells had gone down uh, and said, listen, he understood what was going on with the bullpen here lately and how thin it had been. And as soon as they had that situation with Bradish getting hurt, he went to Brandon Hyde and said, hey, you need to put my spikes on and go down and give us some innings that can do that, uh, which is pretty incredible. Like, you know, it's pretty easy to be selfish in the game and think about yourself. And I think it's for the Orioles and, you know, what this season is going to be. We'll see whether or not they can sneaky, you know, be sneaky contenders the way they were a year ago. Yeah. Um, but it's easy when you're not on a, you know, a, a team that's expected to contend or be a championship caliber team. You just think about having a good year, what's best for you. And so to see kind of an unselfish act like that speaks volumes, no doubt, um, to his coaches, to his teammates, and then to see him deliver the way that he did. Uh, it earns you a lot in the clubhouse. It was really impressive to see, of course, calling games for the Rangers. I didn't want to see it go that way, but you can't help but tip your cap um, to a guy stepping up in a situation where his team needed him uh, the most and thinking really unselfish. It's a it's a great way. To, like it won't go down. Like everybody remembers somebody who throws a no hitter, right? Like you, we all know we we hold it up. This isn't that, but it's it's something, it's something unique in the sport of baseball that deserves some sort of recognition because it it won't be remembered throughout history the way that it was. It was just a really cool kind of thing that you get in this sport sometimes. It's right. And listen, it could have been a no-hitter. I mean, the one hit that the Rangers had yesterday yeah. very easily could have gone down. It's and a Josh Hunt hit a ground ball to Gunnar Henderson. He fielded it clean. He just looked like he took his time. I know he's kind of learning that third-base position a little bit more after being a shortstop um, throughout his amateur and early career. But um, when, I, when it happened, I looked up at the board. I kind of waited and waited to see him. Like, I wonder if they'll call it an error or a hit. And they very quickly called it a hit. I was like, ah, that's kind of a tweener for me because the throw ended up being offline, but it very easily could have been a combined no-hitter. But you're right. I mean, it's one of those things that it probably won't get uh, remembered, but more importantly, it will uh, within the 
a great point. Among his teammates. Great. And, uh, I mean, once you earn, when you do something like that, I mean, it just it always sticks out, and you earn your stripes, and uh, guys never forget that kind of stuff. He is CJ Nikowski. He's with us here on GCR. CJ, the, the Rangers are such a fascinating team because there's so much new, there's so much money there and expectations, and obviously they started the season living up to those significantly. Let me start with the manager. Um, I, my first ever interaction with Bruce Bochy was when I was working in Arizona and I was young and I was stringing and I walked into his his, his office post-game to just literally stick a microphone and he looked at me and said, I've never seen you before. Uh, you're going to have to drink a beer with me if I'm going to allow you in my uh, office. And I was like, all right, like I can do that. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. I, I dig Bruce Bochy, man. I, I'm, I'm all in. We all know the success that he's had. Um, how much has he, what has he brought to this Rangers team? And, and have you, can you put your finger on what has made him so successful? Oddly, like, you know, not every year was a wild success, but when it's mattered most. So I think the, the overriding theme here that we're getting from the players is kind of uh, the calmness that he brings to the clubhouse, that he brings to the dugout, everything that's going on around the team. Uh, multiple guys have said that when he's in the room, everything just kind of feels right. It feels like everything is in control, but everything is relaxed. And that comes with 25 years of managing three World Series titles, but then a, then a personality that uh, just doesn't encourage any version of panic whatsoever. Right? You kind of take the game as it comes in an era, again, where there's so much attention on you coming from so many different places, and then all the things that you deal with that come from um, yourself internally and the pressure that you put on yourself as well. And this game can eat you up if you're not careful. So having that common presence has been huge, I think, for a lot of these guys. For a team that's ready to, to really turn the corner after what's been, you know, my first six years here, a, a sub-500 team yeah. uh, with some bad teams in there. And so I think that part of it for the guys that have been here for a little while, um, and then just, you know, again, something about the credentials that always carry, uh, and to see the, the backing it up the way that he's carried himself so far. Uh, no ego in this, right? That's one thing. I mean, there's certainly guys that are out there trying to make a name for themselves, whether it's coaches or managers or just all different kinds of roles in the game. I think the thing you want to know most is that your manager is in it uh, for the best of the team. He cares about uh, your success, maybe above anything else, those kinds of things you get from Bruce Bochy. Reminds me a lot of when I played for uh, Bobby Cox in Atlanta, very similar uh, in that sense, that the feeling when you're around him as a player uh, is just a very calming feeling and puts you in the best position to succeed. It's interesting what you said there, CJ, because I, I felt a little bit of that. Like we're we're telling you now, it's time. Like we're not we're not messing around anymore. Like that's what comes along with having Bruce Bochy Bochi as your manager. Yep, no doubt. And that message has been received going back to even last offseason. It started. We knew there right. probably wasn't quite enough there just yet when Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon yep. and John Gray yep. were signed up, and then they back it up with Jacob Degrom and then Nate Baldi and Andrew Keeney bringing back Martin Perez. It's a cool thing for us to see here, which hasn't happened since I've been here, which is every five days, uh, as it stands right now, that this rotation feels like it's going to give you a chance to win. But if Andrew Keeney today is your yep. best starter, Jacob Rizzi's hurt right now, and eventually when he gets healthy, it's going to be a nice depth piece to have as well. And there were a couple of good young arms that the Rangers were throwing out there last year that are now either in the bullpen or in the minor leagues. And so uh, they have some pretty good depth to go along with this thing as well. But the expectations are high. I know people wondering exactly what that means. I think if this team is not in contention at the end of September, it would be a disappointment. It'll be a little bit of a battle to get there. Um, but if they're not in this thing the whole way, um, then I would say that this didn't come out the way they expected. I was going to say, is there is there a pressure that comes along with all of this? Is do you know clearly they didn't feel it the first weekend, but is there a pressure with? We went out and spent a billion dollars. Like the expectations here are not, hey, you take a step forward. The expectations are you're competing to win a World Series. 
Yeah, I, I don't think there is. I mean, every guy is different, right, on how you work through any kind of pressure. A lot of times it comes from within, but you're right. I mean, I, I don't know if these players every day look at and say to themselves, hey, look how much money we spent. We better win today. They thought that even when the team, maybe the roster wasn't there at the way mm-hmm. it, you know, that it should have been. You're always thinking you have a chance to win regardless of what's going on on the outside. But I think it goes back to what we're talking about with Bruce Bochy, right? That's the difference maker there. Uh, where he kind of eases some of that pressure uh, with the way that he carries himself and presents himself in that clubhouse. And when you have a manager that can do that, then you're freed up to really do uh, what you can do best. I think Joe Madden is another guy you can put uh, in that category going back to his Tampa days, always known as a guy uh, that made it comfortable for younger players or made for a comfortable clubhouse so that guys can just worry about doing what they do best, their individual at best, when they're in the field, when they're on the mound, and the focus could be there and nowhere else. Jonah Heim is a guy that we got to know a little bit coming up through the Orioles system a few years back and was a really popular guy when he was coming through the Orioles system. Um, Settled in as a primary guy a year ago. Obviously, you know, isn't a huge bat necessarily. Is there an expectation that he could still become more of that? And, And what has he brought to kind of become that guy as he's reached the major league level? Yeah, so a couple of things. You go back to last year, and essentially once the Rangers picked up Mitch Garver, which, by the way, was another one of those moves uh, last offseason when they traded for him, it looked like the backup catcher situation was going to have to develop, and it was going to be between Jonah Heim and Jose Trevino, and ultimately they decided uh, to take Jonah, and Jose went to New York and did a great job and won a platinum glove and is a great defender, but Jonah's right there with him. If you look at some of the numbers or people like to dig and get into the weeds a little bit, but we, you know, we look at those framing numbers and borderline pitches and, and which catchers best present those at strikes and get the most strikes called, he's right there. He's right there near the top in all of baseball. So he's done an excellent job uh, behind the plate. There's so much focus on that framing. You know, the bat overall last year, you might say, well, you know, batting average was 227, sub 300 on base. I think they were pretty happy with the 16 home runs that he hit last year. The fact that he could slug a little bit and do the job that he was doing behind the plate, um, you know, you look at catchers, there are so many different skills that they bring to the table, and very few can check off all the boxes, right? GT Rilamuto in Philly is one of the few uh, that can hit, that can throw, that can field, that can block, that can call a good game, right? There's so much that goes into it. I will say there's probably a little bit more pressure on Jonah this year now with the bigger bases. Obviously, the Orioles in town, we know they're going to run quite a bit. It was an area where he was a little bit light. He only threw out 17% of base dealers last year. The average is about 25%. Um, so there'll be a little bit more on him there. But I think the Rangers were really happy with him last year. You know, the part of it, too, was he did not did not go into the season thinking he was going to start more than 100 games behind the plate, and he did. I think he was fourth or fifth in baseball in the most games started as a catcher. Wow. And so there was a little bigger of a workload that was taken on that probably was not the anticipation of that because Mitch Garber ended up having elbow surgery and, and was out for the second half of the year. But it worked out well for Johnny. He got the playing time at the big league level. He showed the Rangers what he could do. Could he have another tick or two up more offensively? Maybe. I mean, it's certainly possible, but I think he'll take some slug in there, you know, give me some extra bases, some home runs to go along with the job he's doing behind the plate, and I think they'll be pretty happy. I, I mean, I, I, I get it. Look, you know, there's still a part of us. We've, we've got what we think might be the best catcher in baseball in Baltimore, and yet there's still a part That's of right. us like, hey, man, we could. I, I'd like to have him hit a little bit more if possible. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, it's just the pressure of being the centerpiece, you know, uh, prospect in the entire organization is that – you could be the best catcher in the sport, and somebody could still be like, "Yeah, but could you hit 280? Like, could you do that?" For yeah, well, we're never we're never satisfied. Right. You know, it's interesting that with him too, seeing this game, kind of switch it numbers and how better he was left-handed last year. Yeah, um, then right-handed you know, versus that left-handed pitching. There was that bat that came in uh, yesterday. I thought the Rangers were going to flip him back around, and they let Cole Reagan stay in, and he hit a pretty hard foul ball. It was almost there. Eventually, he got him out. But now you're right. I mean, Andy Rutschman is one of the more fascinating guys in the game. Um, to watch. I mean, if, if I'm an Orioles fan, I get it. Like, you know, I, I'm MLB never afraid. We talked 
why, you know, they didn't go a little bit deeper and make maybe that next step in free agency. I mean, I like Adam Frazier and, and Kyle Gibson, but yeah. I wondered about, you know, is there more there? I'm sure there's no doubt that Orioles fans were, were screaming for it as well. But, man, they do have some good young players, man. I, I, there's a part of me that also admires the fact that they're willing to be patient and let the plan play out a little bit and not make any big mistakes too early and overreact to what they're doing. Now, if they don't add this winner, and they don't dig in a little bit, and I know we feel like it's coming, uh, then I think it's probably fair to criticize them and criticize them and get pretty hard on them. But for the meantime, uh, I actually like what they're doing with their young players with Gunnar Anderson and Rutschman and a lot of these guys. Man. It's pretty cool to see there's a good group there. He is C.J. Nikowski. Just another couple of minutes with him. C.J., I did want to get your perspective because you are talking about this stuff every day on MLB Network Radio. I'm not even all that worked up about, you know, like it would have been nice, trust me. Like I wouldn't have minded even a Nathan Eovaldi that you guys were able to pick up. But I would say beyond that, when we bring up Rutschman Henderson, to me the big thing that I'm waiting for in Baltimore is doing what the, you know, maybe not the Braves because they've done it better than everybody, but the Braves, the Diamondbacks did this offseason, the Pirates, doing the thing where you identify your guys and say, we're making sure we plant our flag with this guy and you know as a fan, this guy's going to be here because we kind of get sick in Baltimore of the national conversation being like, yeah, Adley Rutschman's cool. When do you think he's going to end up being a Yankee? When do you think he's going to end up being a Red Sox? I, to me, the biggest difference in where the Orioles are and like that next step is when do you spend the money on your guys? Like When do you step in and say, we're serious. This is not just a Manny Machado, enjoy him for a couple of years before he's gone situation. We're we're not playing around. We know these are the guys, and these are the guys. And and how much of a statement would that make to baseball about what the Orioles intend to be for the next decade? Yeah, it's a good one, man. I mean, I think you know making those decisions properly. There's a lot of pressure on the front office, right? I think what you just saw in Arizona with Corbin Carroll yeah. and getting better than a hundred million dollars with you know what a month of service time is probably something that Adley Rutschman looks at and says that's a jumping off point for me. Yep. If they're going to try to do that, it's got to probably start there. And I, to me, it's an easy choice for him, for a guy like him. I, I think he checks all those boxes um, that you're looking for to go along with the personality as well. The question becomes, like, that's an easy one. The question becomes the more difficult one. Or when do you do it? Like, is it too late? Did they miss the boat on Cedric Mullins at 28 years old? Do they want to do it with three more years of control? Um, those are tougher questions to kind of um, ask. You know, Austin Hayes is a three-plus player with three more years of control. Same thing, he's 27. Um, years old. So, so identifying the players that you think are the ones you don't want to miss. I think the one thing I will say uh, with the Atlanta Braves, like they've done an excellent work. I'll be shocked if all those work out. I mean, that would be amazing if it did, but there's got to be one or two of there that are probably going to end up being clunkers, but those sure. are chances that you're willing to take. And I don't, I can't even tell you who I think it's going to be. It's just almost like the odds are not stacked in their favor, but they've still done a great job. You know, the White Sox has done a good job. You look at the roster they've put together and the money that they have spent. Um, you know, there's not a player. I think maybe Lance, uh, Lynn now is making just a little over $20 million on AAV, but the average annual salaries for that roster, they've done a pretty good job putting good players together. I know they haven't you know, uh, you know, necessarily won the way that they wanted them to or expected them to, but it's, it's a tough decision to make um, early on. But again, Adley's an easy one. The question becomes, where do you go from there? Uh, Gunnar Henderson seems like that probably would be a good one. Is there any of the guys in the minor leagues um, that you like? And we see these guys that are working on deals before they even actually get to the big leagues. Um, it's risky. Um, but you know, for me, it's position players. I'm not worried about the pitchers as much. I'd, I'd rather get my position players locked up. Yep. I, I think it's riskier with the pitchers. So I'm not, I wouldn't be necessarily thinking about you know Grayson Rodriguez or DL Hall right now in that sense. Um, and Jackson Holiday's too far away. Um, but to me, Rutschman and Henderson are probably the easy ones. A little bit tougher right now to figure out what you want to do 
uh, with Mullins and Hayes because they're three years away from free agency. They, you know, the money's starting to pour in now because they're arbitration eligible. It's kind of now or never, I think. Although I say that, there are players that are doing this with five years of service time, which always surprises me. When they're a year away from free agency and they sign a deal, it, it doesn't right. happen more than it's happened in the right. game. But the Orioles got to get in on it. Yeah, like, why wouldn't you just wait it out at this point and negotiate with everybody? Like, why are you in a yeah. rush to do this right some now? Some guys do and some guys don't. I mean, it's a lot, you know what it is? There's so much money out there now. That's fair. Yeah. It's easier to leave money, there's, it's easier to leave money on the table. Like uh, got, we've seen guys now make decisions, like you know Aaron Judge as an example. Like yeah, he could have got more money probably in San Diego or San Francisco. It's not about the best money, the top money for him. It's where you want to be. And so I think we have gotten to that point. We have really over the last probably you know seven eight years where guys can leave some significant money on the table because there's so much there and they just want to be where they want to be. CJ, before I let you go, you just brought up Grayson Rodriguez's name. The Orioles are going to need another starter now this week because of how they use Tyler Wells. We think they're going to go to Kyle Gibson tonight on short rest. They haven't made that official. But Grayson Rodriguez would be in line for when he made his last start at AAA to start on Wednesday. The Orioles had decided coming out of spring training, we want you to work deeper into games. We need you to get out of the fourth inning. I had wondered, given you know he's never pitched more than 100 innings, you're not going to go to 300 innings this year. Would it be more valuable to just make three-inning starts to begin the season? And you know, build him up that way and not end up having to shut him down at some point during the course of the year because of how many innings he's pitched. If their decision was simply based on wanting to see him work deeper into games, would you still want him to keep doing that and say, hey, let's find, let's do something else for one game. Let's not change our plans based on the fact that Kyle Bradish got hurt and we need a starter this week. Yeah, I mean, again, I think they're so patient. They've kind of shown us big picture that they're willing to stick to their game plan that I would suspect that they would stick to their game plan. In this situation, you know, with a guy like him, the question becomes, do you want to bring him up and, and say it's only going to be one or two starts uh, until we figure out, you know, because we have a plan for you this year and you're not going to get the innings built up that we need if you're going to do it at the big league level. Um, it is kind of an age-old question now that we've seen where we go back and forth. What is the best way to get there, right? For a guy coming off a year where he threw 75, one two-thirds innings, how do you even get him to 115 or so? Whatever the number is that you want to get him to yeah. this year, does it be a jumping point off, uh, jumping off point for the following year? It's much easier to do that in the minor leagues. The question, like you just laid out, is it less starts or less innings, but keep your starts going every five, six days, uh, or do you just go through a quiet period during the year? I think everyone's different. I don't think everyone's going to react the same. I'd rather see a guy make you know, the 28 or 30 starts over the course of the year and spread them out a little bit. The problem with doing that at the big league level is it puts a ton of pressure on your bullpen, sure. and it's a difficult thing to do. And so you know, I would, I'd be okay with that at the minor league level until the point where he's giving you uh, hopefully five and maybe even six innings, and then you can get some big league starts in and, and you figure it out from there. But it's a tough one. It's not an easy decision to make and the best way to do it. Um, but I like the idea of kind of what you were talking about is get that number up higher so you're, you get the feeling of making starts every five or six days over the course of a full season. It is nice that in the minor leagues now uh, that the minor league season goes into September. Sure. But it used to be where a guy would pitch in the minor leagues for five months. Right. The next year maybe he makes a big league roster, and we're talking about how this is the first time he's ever pitched in September in his life. That's so a great that, point. Which is tough. You, you stretch it out over six months. So I like that they changed the, the minor league season. It's, I think it's much better and for development, and, and guys don't feel like, well, I'm exhausted. It's the middle of September. I've never been out here doing this this late. At CJ Nick Kowski on Twitter is how you follow him. Uh, and, of course, you hear him every day, MLB Network Radio. CJ, really enjoyed this conversation, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. We'd love to do it again down the road. Sounds good, Glenn. My pleasure. CJ Nick Kowski with us here on GCR, Rangers TV analyst, former MLB pitcher. 
Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, I will I will just delight your eardrums with my musical stylings. <laughs> You, you, yeah, yeah. Way to, way to go. Nailed it over there. Nailed it. it. We'll, uh, we'll do that, and then we'll get a tidbit. We'll get to it to wrap up the show. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, we'll do Tidbit and Tubular, and then we'll do One Shining Moment, because again, if we get kicked off at that point, Life goes on. <laughs> like It was the end of the show. We got all the sponsors in. Nobody can be mad. That's the way it is. Tidbit will be brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get five second-chance bets at PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. Yes, that's you. Yes, yeah. sorry. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right, this one's kind of old because it happened on Saturday, but I wanted to make sure I uh, pointed it out because Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler became the third player ever uh, to score 35 points, have 10 assists, and have no turnovers while also shooting 75% in the game. Uh, this is since turnovers were tracked back in 1977. Uh, he joins these two players. Mm-hmm. You, think you, can, you, you can name one. No, I, I mean it's so. One of them was a was a was a weird answer uh, to one of last week's. <laughs> you were asking me to remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember any. It was a weird answer to one of last week's. Uh, uh, 
Alex English? That was Alex okay. English. Alex English. Alex, you keep saying that. that one. Like, it's not a weird. Alex English is a Hall of Fame basketball player. Yeah, he's, but well, he was. I think he's just answer. in that era of NBA basketball that's like forgotten. It was before okay. the Bird Magic, right? Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, well, I think he crossed over. He was definitely with he was Bird. Cro- probably crossed over yeah. into it, but his prime years were in that. I did the math on Alex English. I want to say it was. Yeah. They, they don't they refer to it as the dark age. Seventy six to ninety one was his career, so he was yeah, very so much was, in yeah. that area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He did it. He did this in eighty seven. Um, he joins also Nikola Jokic, who did it in twenty eighteen. Thirty five points, ten assists. I mean, I feel like Nikola no Jokic is going to start sh- showing up on every statistical anomaly. Yeah. Like it's just he's an alien, man. <laughs> um. All right. So UConn played two hundred forty minutes in six tournament games, and they trailed for just thirty-one minutes of game time. That's only pretty, thirteen that's pretty bonkers. Yes, thirteen percent of the time they were trailing, including only fifty-five seconds. By the way, how ironic is it that both of the players that were on that list were both Denver Nuggets? That is crazy. That's weird, right? <laughs> Jimmy Butler. Why? Well, what, what year? What year did you say that Alex English did it? Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, he was a Nugget was at a that nugget. point. Yeah. All right. well, there you go. Uh, including they only trailed for 55 seconds in the second half of any game during their run. I mean, it was dominant. It, it was. was utterly yeah. incomplete. I remember like asking Patrick last week, is this just the UConn Invitational? And he was like, no, I think you know San Diego State's good, Miami's good. I'm like, yeah, it's the UConn Invitational. Yeah. <laughs> they were just the most complete team. You could see it. Like They, they, had, were, they had the guard that could go get a bucket. And they, and they had, defended, and yeah. like so, San Diego State. They had defend- the three and D wing, Jack, right, uh, right. Andre Jackson, yep. and then they had the two centers. One was their bruiser, and one was kind of their like slick, tall. Yep, like could go get like buckets and also pass. Like it was a complete team. San Diego State got there with their defense, but ultimately they didn't have nearly enough. Like Fire you saw that really. after their first yeah. little flurry to start the game last night, where they go like oh for their next. 12 or something mm-hmm. like that. Oh, that was funny. They had, like a, they had yeah. like a carbon copy of the same four guards. Like all the yeah. same height, could yeah. do the same things, yeah. couldn't do the same same things. Like, and yeah, it gets tough when. Yep. So it's definitely fair to call UConn, I guess, a dynasty at this point. They are the second team ever to score, or to score, to win a title across four straight decades. Uh, so obviously the 90s, late in, in 90, 99, 2000s, yep. 10s, uh, and now the 20s, the, 20, the 2020s. It's remarkable. Who was the other team that also... Uh, Four won? straight decades? Yes. Uh, it's not Duke. It is not Duke. Kentucky? It is not Kentucky. Carolina? It is Carolina. Yeah, that yes, would make sense. One of the 80s, yeah, one of the 90s. Because Jordan and then the... Yeah, yeah that makes yep. sense. Yep. Uh, so they could become five if they, they got another you know seven years. Well, they came really close a year ago. Yeah. They came damn close. Um, and then since seeding began in uh, 1979, there have been four head coaches to enter a tournament with two or fewer career tournament wins and then go on to win a title. Since uh, when? Since 1979. Two or few... Two or so fewer. Dan Hurley had two wins entering this tournament, right? And, uh, and now, uh, and there's and, you, how many, and how many more are there? There are three more. Three more. Kevin Ollie. Kevin Ollie, Good. also on this list, had Good no one. tournament wins, and then uh, went on to win with UConn in 2014. Tubby Smith. That was going to be my guess. Uh, no, not Tubby Smith. Him I mean, or that's Avery the problem. Is, I guess he had won. Oh wait, what did you say Avery Johnson? Yeah, they didn't win. Avery Johnson didn't win a title. Not okay, yeah. no. Yeah. I don't know why I thought yeah. I thought he won one with Alabama. No. Huh. Um how about how about how, there's no way Tony Bennett hadn't won. Tony Bennett. Not Tony yeah, there's Bennett. There's no way because yeah. he had been at t- since 79? Yes, since 79. Oh, um uh oh god. Uh, the, uh, Steve Fisher. Yep, Steve Fisher with Michigan. 
no tournament wins and then went on to win. Well, he hadn't been the head coach. Oh, yeah. yeah. They got rid of um, in, in Bill, Bill Fried, Frieder, Friedel. Is that what was his name? Bill. Fr- Remember, this was, um, oh, God, I, my brain is not functioning at the moment right now. But when this is when Bo Schembechler said he was going to, so Bill Friedel was going to leave for Arizona State. And he was like, you know, our coach is going to be a Michigan man. And so he just got rid of him when he found out that he was going to leave anyway, and they ended up winning the title with Steve Fisher yeah, running yeah. the team. Bill Frieder. Thank you. Yes. Um, you said there's so one, one more? One more, yes. One, one more. more. God, I'm, I don't know why I'm... It was... He had one win before this. Before the, he went on his title one run. One win before his it title was run. Nolan Richardson? Not Nolan Richardson. It was 1983. Oh, God. Oh, was John NC State? Yeah. Oh, Jim Valvano. Yeah, Joe oh, Valvano. yeah, yes, that yes. does make sense. Yep. Joe Valvano, Steve Fisher, Kevin Ali, and now Dan Hurley had yep. two or fewer wins before uh, tournament wins good before call. going on to win a title. Good call. It's a good group of just good stories. Yeah. Come out of college yeah. basketball. All right. Uh, Tidbit was also brought to you today by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available for only like less than two weeks at this point. So if you haven't gotten it yet, this great story about Gunnar Henderson, go pick it up right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all. Pressboxonline.com. Tubular is brought to you by Birdland Sports. I can't, at this point, I don't think you're going to get your shirts in time for opening day. In part because I think Josh is coming up to Baltimore for opening day. Maybe I well, think you can, you can get, get your get shirt them. at opening day. I believe right? you. No, I believe actually you could probably one coordinate with them because I think he's actually got a booth somewhere near the stadium for like the Orioles block party or something like that. Yeah, you I, might be able to reach out to Josh Sroka and say, "Hey, I want to buy a shirt. Is there any way I could get it from you on opening day?" But I also think he's going to be there selling shirts mm-hmm. on opening I know, yeah, day because I, I saw he tweeted out he was like, I would, "I'm going to bring out the four best sellers." That, yeah, so, and I so guess he was asking people what. They wanted to Look, see go to birdlandsports.com is the point. The, yes. the shirts are awesome. They're they're better than what the big guys offer. The quality is still just as good. The prices are more affordable, and they're just more fun. Great shirts that are available for you to celebrate your spirit. And if you really want it for opening day, just reach out to Josh. He's a very available person. Josh Sroka, great dude. Reach out to him right now. Let him know, and uh, he'll work with you. But birdlandsports.com is the website. Tubular is brought to you by A.J. Michaels. Expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. In my house, it felt like it needed to be there last night. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. Actually, in the studio today, it felt like we needed A.C. I mean, it was was warm in here when I got in here this morning. All right, uh, here's what's coming up tonight, Tubular. The Orioles still have not announced their starting pitcher. They take on the Rangers at 8 on Masson 2. Andrew Heaney will go for Texas. Masson Rays Nationals at 7. TBS Phillies Yankees at 7. MLB Network Diamondbacks Padres at 4. Rockies Dodgers at 10. Maryland Baseball takes on William & Mary at 6.30 on Big Ten Network+. Plus. Wizards Bucks, 7 o'clock. NBC Sports Washington. TNT as Celtics Sixers at 8. ESPN Golden Knights Predators at 8. Oilers Kings at 10.30. Uh, USA's got Leeds United, Nottingham Forest at 2.45, and WWE NXT at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, not really. Lynn manuel Miranda will be on Stephen Colbert. Sure. Cause, yeah, because he's doing a New York, New York uh, Broadway. Oh. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key will be on Fallon. Jason Bateman for the Air. The Air. Jordan movie. Right, Air. Yeah. Yes. yes. Air, right. comma, 
Jordan movie. Okay. Because like, I called it. Right, I said Air right, Jordan. Enough, enough. And then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez also in Seth Meyers with, Jason, now, Bate, is with she, Jason Bateman. Is she, was she in Cocaine Bear? Is that what she's plugging? <laughs> no, she was oh, not. Okay. What a lineup of yeah. key yeah. Bateman and AOC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NBC killing it with their late night guests. Heck so that's right. Heck of a group. All right. Very good. Now. How was trivia yesterday? Uh, there was one sports. There actually were two sports-related questions, but one wasn't really sports at all. It was. Did you get all the politics questions again this time? I don't remember. Did they we, get directed we, your way? We got the final, but we we were so non-committal. The final was, what is the most commonly spoken language in the southern southern hemisphere? There are twenty times as many people in the southern hemisphere who speak the language as there are in the northern hemisphere. Hmm. Spanish. No. I'm guessing. <sighs> is it an African language? Um, we gotta, we gotta, we, I'm, we're holding up poor yeah, yeah. Sonia for a meeting. We gotta, we gotta move I, this I, along. I can't, I can't think of any yeah. specific, uh, specific, specific. All language. I can think other than that is, is, is China in the southern hemisphere? No, like, man, I don't know. Yeah, so, um, we were torn between English. French and Portuguese because a lot of, oh, a yeah. lot of Africa speaks yeah. French, and of course Brazil is Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah. I decided that we were gonna go with Portuguese. It was correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> the problem was I couldn't figure out how much to wager because I was so non-committal, and the wager cost us. <sighs> so we did not win last night because I only wagered seven points on the final. And uh, so did you get cut so from the team? Or? Yeah, right. Oh, it was a real. I wish they would have spoken up a little bit more. Said no, it's right. Go all in. We'll win. We didn't do that. That was a bummer. But the one sports question was: uh, name the three players who have won five or more NBA MVP awards. Five or more NBA yep. MVPs. Jordan. Jordan, yes. Bird. Nope. Shaq. Nope. Bill Russell. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kobe? Nope. Five or more MVPs. Season MVPs. How many players again? I got Three. those two. Three. Three. I got those two, and then I was between two people again for the third one. Mm. Ultimately got it right. Wilt. Not Wilt. That was who I was debating between. I was debating between Wilt and someone else. And Elgin <laughs> Baylor. Did you say Bird? Steph Curry's only one two, right? He's only I one think, two, I think. I yeah. think so, yeah. Um, Elgin Baylor. No. <laughs> um, gosh, it gotta be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah, was sense. the other one. That was the third. And then the other sports question really wasn't sports. It was all of the athletes in the lyrics of Billy Joel's song "We Didn't Start the Fire" played one of two sports. And the only one I knew was Joe DiMaggio, so I was like, all right, baseball. And then I just thought about Billy Joel and culture at that time. I'm like, it's got to be boxing. Like, it has to be. I don't even know who it is, but it's got to be boxing. And yes, indeed. It was Mar Rocky Marciano, I think, was who he referenced. And it was boxing, so I got that right. All right. Um, now, we got oh, to do this. I said I was going to do it, so we got to do it. This is how we wrap yes. up today's show. I lost the bet. That's right. You weren't good either. And good so enough. I channel good my enough. I channel my inner Luther as we wrap up the NCAA tournament with our own one shining moment. Hang on. I need to be All able right. to hear the the music in the background. We just can't put yeah. it through the air because Try to talk over it. Yeah, then we'll definitely until, get kicked until off. Until you thing. get into it. That's right. So Glenn, I'm using last night's one shining moment as my guiding light. So I don't <laughs> know how that's gonna go. We'll see how it feels. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> the ball is tipped. And there you are, you're running for your life, you're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows <laughs> just how'd you work. That's right, Charles. 
But now it shows. Get into it. In one shining moment, it's all on the line. One shining moment, they're frozen in time. The time is short and the road is long. In the blinking of an eye, oh, that moment's gone. And when it's done, win or lose, <laughs> you always did your best. You're doing great. Because inside you knew. I can't hit that note. <laughs> In one shining moment, you reach deep inside. In one what shining moment, moment, you knew you, you were alive. Feel the beat of your heart. Feel the wind in your face. It's more than a contest. It's more than a race. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's enough, right? Can we call we it there? Right. We're, we're calling it there. I really? think I've done everything all I needed right. to do, right? All For right. God's sakes. I tried to hit. Oh, you want to go all the way? Oh, God, you jerk. I hate that. This is the I can't do the guitar. I didn't bring it with me today, unfortunately. <laughs> normally I, you do normally have the guitar, I yeah. Bring my electric guitar. <laughs> Win or lose. You always did your best. Cause inside you knew. Oh yeah. In one shining moment, you reached for the sky. One shining moment, you knew. One shining moment, you're willing to try. One shining moment, you knew. One shining moment. UConn is the king of the college basketball world. There you go. There's my. Well done. Well done. There's my. God, it's the greatest song in that human history. That segued right into the video I pulled up. Yeah, nicely it, done. It was, uh, nicely. Bobby Hurley. Only there, there. <laughs> Bobby or Danny? Or Danny. Danny sorry. Hurley. All right. Thanks today to uh, CJ Nitkowski. Thanks also today to Nick Boyle, former Raven. He was awesome. Frank Ramish, GM of the arena. Patrick Stevens. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tavikglenclarkradio.com. Stuff and things. Uh, Drew Force will be in tomorrow, okay. and uh, we'll take a trip to Bowie, I believe, tomorrow. Okay, very good. We'll start our weekly segments with the Bowie Bay Sox. We'll be doing that all year long thanks to everybody at press box all of our great sponsors and partners aj michaels glory days grill royal farms costas in guilford hall brewery birdland sports your local toyota dealer buyatoyota.com harford community college thanks to charles at charles.ap28 on instagram indeed is how you follow him at griffin underscore bass to follow him thanks to griffin follow us at twitter instagram and tiktok at glenn clark radio have a great tuesday night go birds duke sucks